All right, welcome. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show. Okay, share this out, share this out, share this out. All right, okay, it's Friday night. Friday night for me. Rick, I see you're here. Welcome, uh, Cassie, welcome. Rick is in Australia, so it's Saturday morning for him. Uh, but uh, it's Friday night for me, so it's uh, the law of one. But before we get started, I want to thank Anna. Anna's not in the crowd yet, I don't think. Uh, she will be soon, I'm, I'm hoping. Rick P uh, uh, Pinger, get her in here. Uh, or Cassie Pinger, get her in here. Uh, I wanted to thank her because she forwarded a uh, post that had uh, like, I don't know, 30-some-odd um, photos in it. And all of them were products sold here in the United States and probably around the world. Uh, I'm sure that there's different uh, uh, companies or the same companies I know sell globally and they have different products. So you might want to look at uh, these companies and find out what the products are, if they are, in fact, the same ones that are in your uh, neck of the woods. Uh, literally, I looked at that and was like, what? You know, and then my first thought is, uh, is this vetted? Is this is this real? And uh, the person who originally posted it said, I just went to the store and uh, looked at this and it was uh, and it was real. And I thought, uh, you know what? I, I better take a look and see. I, so I literally have some products here at my house and I got up. I'm I'm a few minutes or a few seconds late to getting on. I'm surprised I made it by three. I was going around reading the ingredients uh, and uh, all these ingredients say uh, on the bottom of it, it says ingredients are uh, are uh, some ingredients are, are made from bioengineered uh, uh, products because. Everybody would not buy genetically modified organisms, GMO. So it forced corporations to then have to list non-GMO and nobody wanted to buy their product that was genetically modified. So they changed the designation, at least in the United States. Uh, and they, they actually, all these corporations who, uh, who are on the outside, apparently uh, separate from one another and not in any way, connected to each other, corporations, all of a sudden, I didn't know when this started, but I didn't know about it until literally today when I got this message and I took a look at these photos and then started looking at the ingredients of product I have in my own home, literally. Uh, and it says, instead of GMO, it now says bioengineered uh, uh, products. So, the, so the, and why would all of these companies that are around the world that are supposed to be separate organizations, why would they all seemingly want at the same time to be using these genetically modified organisms and now uh, changing the designation uh, to a bioengineered organisms why, or just bioengineered product? Why would they be wanting to do that uh, in and of itself? Uh, why, would they, why would all of these corporations feel the need to start putting this stuff in people's food. I'm not going to speculate because the algorithms will get me deleted. This will probably get me in trouble and deleted as it is just for posting it. But uh, I literally went and started reading some of the products that I have. And there's some cereals, two bags of cereal that I bought from my mother that I've been buying from her for a while and did not read all of the bottom of the ingredients because they didn't have GMO on them. And I just realized that, that those two, then I started looking, what about the cereals I bought for myself? Now I'm going to have to reevaluate every single product I have in my home and figure this out and see if it's there. I would suggest that if you guys are okay with genetically modified organism being changed to, to bioengineered product, 
uh, and you're okay with eating that stuff, go ahead and do it. But the only way these people are going to quit doing it is to stop buying their product and not just the ones that they have labeled uh, 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 products. And even after they uh, stop putting the stuff in there, they're going to change the designation again. We need to be diligent and you need to start looking into this and uh, and uh, do something about it. I would suggest not buying from these people anymore. Look what the, look what Budweiser, when they made a mistake here in the United States that cost them trillions of dollars globally, uh, they changed their whole idea and fired the guy who was in charge of putting all that together. Okay, so I hope that um, that Anheuser-Busch or the, the actual, I think it's a Swedish company now, uh, it was a Brazilian company, but I think they said it was a Swedish company. I'll have to look it up because I looked it up, uh, but I don't remember right offhand. Um, but I told everybody, look, stop buying all these other products. This company owns all these products and people are like, I'm not going to buy uh, uh, Budweiser or Bud Light anymore. I'm going to buy Stella Antoine, same company. <laughs> okay. I'm going to buy Modelo, same company. Oh, no, Modelo is a Mexican beer. It used to be made in Mexico, still is, but the company is no longer owned by Mexicans. It's owned by the same company that bought, you should look into this stuff, guys, that bought uh, Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch is not owned by an American the German immigrant anymore, Anheuser or Bush. Uh, those people sold it, and then the, the – uh, uh, literally, their their uh, relatives sold it off to this first to a Brazilian company, and apparently the Brazilian company got bought up, bought up by a Swedish company. Don't quote me on that. Okay, so you need to look at the products in your house and see if it's been redesignated. The labels have just been relabeled instead of GMO. So you look look at the product and it doesn't say non-GMO or GMO. So you're going, oh, okay, well this product's good now. Obviously, we got through to these guys and they stopped putting GMO in there. Nope, they literally changed the the wording from genetically modified organism to bioengineered, which means the same thing, okay? So why instead of natural products, do they feel the need to uh, have to give you, I should probably turn my camera on, let me turn off this, uh, thanks, you guys can see my ugly mug here. Um, why would they do this, okay? And then we'll get into the law of one because all of this has to do with the law of one, guys. It has, what does this have to do? You're talking politics again. Because politics is the religion of evil, evil people who are narcissists in service to self. They created this entire society, whether you know it or not, of, of building society this way, structured this way to funnel 99 percent of all wealth to the one percent of, of them who they believe they own the entire world. Whether you want to believe that or not, or think I'm some crazy hippie uh, just means if I trigger you into you thinking I am your enemy, please change the channel. Uh, because this isn't for you because you're not ready to know this yet. Uh, and, and you may not ever be. But one day you're going to do you're going to all of a sudden wake up and go, wait a minute. And then you're going to like all of a sudden start saying things that I'm saying. Trust me, unless you're in service to self and then you won't care. I got mine. You get yours. Uh, that's what you'll do. OK, so why would they do this now? The, I, I was asking myself this question. Why would these people can even consider and go so far out of their way to change the labels uh, with new names for all their product instead of saying genetically modified organism, because obviously that people around the world didn't want that in their products. So instead of taking it out, they changed the name of it and then list it on the product. Some of you in living countries where you don't require people to give you a list of ingredients, you should rethink your life. Okay, you should rethink what you're allowing your government to allow corporations to do, because if you don't know what they're feeding you, what you're drinking or any of that, then and you don't care, then uh, I will say this. You deserve the fate you get. Okay, 
if you, and I'm going to say that again so that I, I trigger all of your egos out there on the face of the earth. If you do not care what they're putting in your food, your water, or your air, or on your land, and you're like, hey, whatever, man, I just eat food, or they don't do that here. Surely our government is trusted and trustworthy, and they wouldn't do anything wrong to us. If you believe that, then you deserve to get what happens to you, okay? And I apologize for being that curt with the whole planet. But if you do nothing, you are complacent. Complacency is guilt, okay? So if you allow your government to murder off an entire try a race of the population and you don't say anything about it or try to do something about it, that means you agree with it, Okay. There have been trials on this planet with the Japanese, what they did to the Chinese, and the Germans, what they did to the Jews. Whether you want to believe those things ever existed or ever happened, they did. And there were trials where people said, look, just because you guys were living in the country and you were pretending you were unaware of it when you lived like a mile from a, from a military base where they were housing people and doing all these, uh, these atrocities to them, doesn't mean that you get to pretend that, hey, I was nothing wrong with that. So they didn't all go to jail. Of course, we don't, you're not going to kill off an entire nation. That's an eye for an eye, and that's stupid. And, but they had to be made aware of it, and they also had to, uh, to see it. They were bringing the German people to the concentration camps and making them walk through them and see the people. They did that, uh, and that's not a lie. You can look that up. Okay, so, so if you allow your governments to never even tell you what is in the medication, food, and stuff like that, you need to rethink things or get the hell out of that country. Right. Everybody's free to come to America right now. It doesn't matter where you're from. You can come to America right now and you can get IDs and you can vote and get free cell phones and free living here in the United States, courtesy of the red, white and blue, because nobody seems to care in this country to stop that. So come on in, people. Bring everybody you got. Okay, now I'm going to get a lot of people getting mad at me for saying that. But it's the truth. Nobody in this country, until everybody has uh, 100 million people that are not from this country sitting on their front lawn, nobody's going to change the rules. So you guys keep coming because eventually it's going to spread to every city and people are going to get tired of it. They're starting to. Okay, same thing. So take a look at the products that you have in your house and read the ingredients. It's not on the regular ingredient list of any that I've found. And you guys should go to my page uh, on Facebook and take a look at the photos. There's at least 33 or 34 uh, different products that literally show you and it's circled. So it's not like you can't, can't find it. And it's always after everything and has all the ingredients and all this. And then at the very bottom, sometimes in really fine print, it says uh, instead of genetically modified organism, it now says bioengineered product. Okay. Uh, some of the ingredients in this are, are uh, engineered or, or derived from bioengineering, something like words to that effect on all products to get around that. Why would they do that? Let's get into that and then we'll get into the law of one. Why would they do that? Because it's cheaper in the long run, right, to genetically modify something than it is to cultivate it and grow it. Let me explain. Okay. It has to do with economics. If you took a civics class or an economics class, I wouldn't have to explain this to you, but they don't teach that in school anymore. You have to go out of your way to learn this stuff. Okay. So if somebody is making a product that has uh, cornmeal in it or corn, and they have to buy real corn or a, a company that makes cornmeal out of real corn. So they can use that cornmeal to remind, to refine that into whatever, uh, same thing with wheat or whatever. So when you have, if you have anything that has flour in it, that has to come from either corn flour or wheat flour in the United States. I don't know what they grow in your country. It could be another kind of flour. 
that means that somebody has to own property, a land, land mass, and they have to grow it. And then you have to worry about pesticides. You have to worry about uh, having insurance in case that food causes people to get sick. You have to pay for farm workers, land, taxes on the land. You have to pay to, to uh, cultivate the, everything. You have to have uh, a bunch of people to drive tractors. And then you have to truck it from the place once you go out and cultivate it. And then you have to worry about the environment, too much rain, snow, sleet, uh, predators, uh, uh, bugs, all this stuff. But you have to pay money. And when people don't want uh, pesticides on their product, which is the evolution, then you can't do, you have to do that naturally, which means that you lose a certain amount of your crop that pisses off people because they want to make the total amount of money that they can. All of the money they have to pay, insurance on the property, insurance on the uh, uh, employees, insurance on the vehicles, insurance on the equipment, insurance on the housing, plus taxes for all that, plus maintenance for all that, plus uh, medical insurance, life insurance, or whatever they need, uh, pension, uh, uh, time off, sick leave, all of this stuff for their employees uh, cuts into their bottom line. Okay, that means it's an expense that they have to put out and they're not making as much profit. If they can genetically engineer something, they just pay the engineers and they have all opened up their own. Uh, you don't know about it, but their own bioweapons labs where they're doing their own bio research, gain of function research. Look this up. Food companies have a freaking uh, biotech lab. So literally, if they can create it in a laboratory and then just ship it from the laboratory to uh, wherever it is that they're making the food. And then that cuts all of that other cost out, all of the land, all of the taxes, all of the money that they have to pay. And they just take that product and put it in your food. Okay. So they, they stand to save or make a higher profit of about, you know, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's probably half or three quarters uh, of, of their uh, of their total net profit that they're now going to get to keep by genetically modifying or giving you an organism that's genetically uh, engineered instead of and there's countries around the world Sweden for one uh, and a couple others Finland I think and another one where they don't allow companies to grow bioengineered product on their uh, land so they, that's one of the reasons why they're buying up all the land inside the United States or anywhere else for that matter. If the country allows them to grow genetically modified stuff uh, until they can figure out how to genetically engineer all of it, 100% from the ground up, they're moving all, they're buying up land and farms in those countries. Everyone's like, oh, the Chinese are buying up all these farms in America. They must be doing it because they're trying to take over America one plot of land at a time. That might be the end game for 100 years from now. But that's not exactly what they're doing. They're doing that because they're also putting their interest on land and having more power over the people. If they're here and they're making genetically modified stuff, even though they could do it in their own country, then they can uh, pay money uh, and have people that are here to pay off politicians to vote that into, into uh, being and keep it. That way they control, uh, they get a controlling interest in the United States. Okay, so that's another entire uh, conversation. All right. So I went and looked on some of my products and it's absolutely true. So you need to look into this stuff. And the only way you're going to get around this stuff, guys, is you're going to have to take your belt and tighten it up. As we say here in the United States, I think it's a European thing. Tighten up your belt and, and get to work. You're going to have to start possibly doing things for yourself. Why would they have baking soda? Baking soda. OK. And I know the I know what. OK. I know what it takes to create baking soda. But why would they then take some of the product in the baking soda and make it genetically modified? I'm sorry, bioengineered. 
that, that's already that naturally occurs and is bioengineered by by the by the nature to make that. And all you have to do is dry it out and and scoop it up. I mean, literally. To, that's just like saying we're going to bio bioengineer yeast. Yeast happens. It's a it is literally a thing that happens genetically when you when you add a couple of uh, chemicals together. It just happens naturally. So they're trying to do this without nature, uh, which means they're either trying to speed up the process or make it cheaper. So there's no other reason for them to do what they're doing. So they're trying to make everything cheaper, and then that speeds up the process. Okay. So you guys need to look into that. I know I, I'm, I'm going on for like 20 minutes, but they just changed the labels. And uh, if you don't start looking, uh, at first, when everybody saw that they had all kinds of sugar in all their products, they started changing the designation of sugar and hiding the sugar under different labels until people started getting onto that. And there's like 500 or more different words they used that, that means uh, sugar and genetically modified sugar. Uh, and I had to learn all of that being type two diabetic, which I haven't, I've tested not being type two diabetic for a year and eight months now. And the doctors will still not say, well, you're no longer type two diabetic. Uh, you just must be in remission. They say that about everything. If you have what they consider a disease, I'm surprised they haven't said that with COVID that people who have long COVID that's why they have it is because they have a disease. And so if you get COVID and don't die from it, you're in remission. Surprised they haven't started saying that yet. Um, yet notice that I say that. Okay. So um, I will stop. I haven't even been looking at the, the chat and realize there's like 25 things that you guys said here. So I'll start looking at that. But um, uh, literally you guys need to start looking into that, uh, that on your products and if you don't do anything about it, that means you're complacent. So if you grow a third eye in your butthole uh, or you get some autoimmune disease that kills you or you get a skin disease or all of a sudden you get Alzheimer's, you won't know the difference if that happens. But if something happens to you and you don't know what's going on and you're dying uh, and, and, and they can't figure out what's going on with you because I'm sure they don't know the long term effects yet of any of this. And I know that they have just like in Fight Club, they have that math where they say, you know, a recall is only worth a recall if it becomes more expensive but, but because the paying off the people that are dying from it has now become more expensive than the recall. We do a recall. That's the truth. That's why it was put into that movie, because that is actually an, a, a, a thing. OK, so they, they how much does it cost us so far? It's not it's within the parameters of losses. Let them die. That's how much they care about your life. They don't care until it costs them money. And then it has to cost them enough money to where they're taking a loss or people, you know, stop buying the product because everybody doesn't want it. That's what happened to, to uh, Firestone, Ford Firestone with their tires over here in the United States. They didn't seem to care that people were, it was making people crash and die uh, and burning to death and dying until it cost them a certain amount of money. And then they had a total recall on every, on all their products. Nobody uh, that I'm aware of finds, finds something out and says, we better recall those right away. It's only when lawsuits and class action lawsuits starts costing them a billion dollars or more. And then they say, OK, pull them all off the market because everybody knows about it and everybody's suing us now. So now we got to pull it off the market or we're going to keep losing money. And they only do it to save their lives. OK, so let's continue. Let's start, I should say. Uh, I, it, Rick's leaving. So we'll wait for you, Rick. He says, I will be back. I got to go. Uh, I got a voice message. So we'll wait here for Rick. Everybody just chill, go get something to drink, use the restroom. Uh, and we're going to wait around for Rick. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
<laughs> Deborah, welcome. Hi to anybody I didn't say hi to. Denise, I didn't say hi to you. Peter Coyle in Ireland, I didn't say hi to you. Uh, who else? If you're out there, give me a high five. Uh, Danny, hi. Hopefully you're still here. Okay. So you guys need to look at the products that you have in your house. I apologize for going on. Uh, you know, people, oh, what does this all have to do with the law of one? Anybody who asks me that must be new here. Okay. If you're new to the law of one, you have no idea why I tie this into the religion of evil. I'm sorry, politics, because the original, the religion of evil is not Satanism. There's only 2 million people on the face of the earth that are satanic. You really think that's the only evil people on the face of the earth? It's only 2 million. Uh, so the truth is uh, that the majority of people who are evil subscribe to a different religion that you don't get to know about. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to get us to believe he didn't exist. How do we know that then? How do we know the devil exists? And how do we know that was the greatest trick he ever pulled? Because that's in your mind. You're like, yeah, the devil's so stupid. He doesn't even know that we did that. No, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was getting you thinking that Satanism was, in fact, the religion of evil. When it's not. Your entire societal structure, wherever you are on this planet, is the religion of evil. Every bit of it. The power, the money, the control, the governmental system that you have, no matter what version that you're using, uh, the the retail, uh, the uh, sales, business, corporation, military, all of that is what those guys are carrying around in that little bag with their hand out, holding onto your pineal gland. Oh no, that's their their that's the knowledge bringers. No, no, no. It's I am controlling your pineal gland and keeping you from seeing what's going on. Meanwhile, I have this little bag and these scrolls in my waist, and that is the knowledge of how to create this entire societal structure of building these empires. And the empires are designed so that 99% of all wealth gets trickled up to 1% of the population. That is the religion of evil. And they do that by controlling everything. How you learn, how you watch television, how you read, how you're on the internet, how, what you do in your schools, what you do in your job. All of that is structured with the with literally with a caste system. 1% at the top, pyramid scheme, and all the rest of the people down here. And that caste system, and here in the United States, the pyramid was exactly the uh, the uh, the Food and Drug Administration's idea of how you should eat. It was set up the same way, pyramid. They're not even hiding it. And literally, the structure of military, one guy in charge, all the slaves down below, right? And it, here in the United States and around the world, if you're, if you're from the UK, in warfare for hundreds of years, the rich and elite officers were never targeted. Only the slaves got targeted and let them have at each other. And officers who are gentlemen have to be there to lead them and restrain them whenever we need that, uh, when it's appropriate. So they could do whatever they wanted. And the rich and the elite never died. It was only when, that's when they changed the entire thing with uh, warfare as well. When kings would used to lead people into battle. And then no one ever lived and the kings never lived very long. Evil people didn't want to get, I'm not going out there. You guys go out there and I'll stay back. And that's literally what they do now. They hide in a bunker and make you guys go to war. And it's been that way for a long time on this earth. Okay. That all oh, our talk of politics. Politics is the religion of evil. And they even control religion. Why do you think they want the, uh, the separation of church and state, whatever, if you're in a Western uh, uh, country, and I don't mean uh, in the West, because if you're in, in uh, Europe, uh, even in Australia, that's still, you know, well, it's kind of considered the West. Where's the line, right? The entire planet is considered the West now, right? Except for third world countries. 
So, uh, the, so that should tell you something too. That designation of the West and Western uh, ideology is the ideology of evil. So, you, so when you have all these people in the Middle East going, they're the evil empire. They're no different there. They're just not in charge. They're at the kids' table, and it pisses them off because they're not the, at the adult table in the whole entire uh, uh, scheme of things. Okay, so let's start with uh, Raw. I apologize. Some people say I should do this more often. I get far more hits when I just get on here and start and start talking about politics. But I'm I'm trying to get you to realize that stuff without being angry and starting to go, we need to fight evil because that's not what it's about. Fighting evil is a stage in uh, – in your existence until you realize that the whole entire battle, this illusion of, of a battle between good and evil is never going to change ever. It's going to be this way in third dimensional life until the creator of the universe, us decides we don't like that dynamic. This dynamic works perfectly. It's a perfect harmonic balance that drives you forward constantly to either be evil or to run from it or fight it until you realize and you move up above it. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to learn. This is what Raw is trying to tell you, by the way, is that you're supposed to learn and rise above that on your own. And religions tried to tell you that until they were stifled. That's coming out in my book, my new book that's coming out hopefully this year. I haven't heard from the editors in, a, in a, about a month. Uh, so, But uh, it, it was scheduled for mid to late December. So we'll see if we make it before 2023 is over uh, it just depends on uh, on how many delays that we have from different logistical things for the book. Uh, we'll find out. So, but that is kind of explained in there. Okay, so uh, look for that in uh, in stores. A quick commercial uh, tomorrow. Jacqueline Taylor on her show is going to have another roundtable. We did that last week uh, and two weeks ago. We're going to do it again uh, this week. So I've been invited back in a and a bunch of other people I know of at least five or six now that are going to be there. And we'll be able to go for more than an hour. So we'll do at least two hours tomorrow, starting at noon West Coast, uh, North American continent uh, uh, time. That's 3 p.m. East uh, Coast U.S. or Canada time. That's uh, So uh, uh, it's GMT minus seven comparative to California, GMT minus eight. So uh, 12 noon California time. Uh, 8 p.m. Uh, UK time, 7 p.m. GMT time. Um, I don't remember what that is for you guys in Australia, but you guys can figure it out if you know GMT, right? If you know Greenwich Mean Time, you'll know what time it is there in the morning. It's in the morning. Uh, three hours earlier than now, so it's, it's in the morning for you there. So whatever time it is for you, Rick, in Australia, take shave three hours off. That's when we're going live at noon, my time. Okay, so we're going to be on Jacqueline Taylor's uh, show, uh, show and on uh, YouTube and on uh, Facebook. Uh, it's a prod, Project Oneness Light, um, both on YouTube and on Facebook. We'll have the links for you. Uh, so you guys, if you want to talk and ask questions uh, and watch us live, uh, it's going to be really intense and really cool. So we're going to be talking about um, high vibrational stuff as usual, spirituality and uh, comparison. Uh, and we're going to be talking about things like um, people reading tarot cards at different levels and uh, we usually do that with magic users and psychics and uh, spiritualists and and the whole nine. So it's going to be kind of cool. Um, yes, Denise said on Izzy's page. Yes, on Izzy Kelly's page on Facebook. We'll be live there on Izzy Kelly's page on Facebook. It's actually Izzy Kelly's um, uh, uh, production, I believe. He's the he's the one that owns all the uh, the pages. I know Izzy, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so okay. 
So uh, tune in tomorrow to see that if you want to. It's going to be really cool. All right, I'm going to give you guys a, a sound check now. Uh, we'll start. I backed up one full question because it was a really big one with a long answer. It's like, um, I don't know, we're on, what are we on, five minutes? At least It's at least uh, a three or four minutes long just for one question. Uh, so I backed up uh, uh, to, for that, and where I'm going to go ahead and start. I'm press play. You guys let me know if you guys can hear it okay. If you can't, then I'll turn the sound up. All right, here we go. 27.8 questioner. Now, I understand that the first distortion of intelligent infinity is the distortion of what we call free will. Can you give me a definition of this distortion? Ra, I am Ra. In this distortion of the law of one, it is recognized that the creator will know itself. 27.9 questioner. Then am I correct then in assuming that the creator will know itself the creator, then grants for this knowing the concept of freedom, total freedom of choice in the ways of knowing. Am I correct? Right. All so right, I am so hold on. I'm going to stop it right there real quick, and then we'll let Ra answer. Um, I like that he asked that, and this is another reason why I brought this uh, uh, back to here, because I, I uh, paused it last week, and I'm going to do it one more time. Uh, literally... When asked, uh, I tell it this way, Eckhart Tolle, a few other people, uh, when people say, what is the function of this illusion reality, the third dimension? Uh, and literally the, the answer to that question is that its function is that the creator of the universe, God, whatever you want to call that, um, is becoming self-aware, becoming aware of itself in this illusion in this reality. So literally, that is what your job is to do. You are doing exactly the same thing. You, because you are, in fact, uh, the creator separated into one little teeny molecule, you're becoming self-aware. You're becoming aware of yourself and your beingness in this place, as below, so above, as within, so without. As you're doing that, the creator of the universe is actually becoming self-aware in the place that the creator created. The, the creator could not be here because it was outside and created it, but then the creator created us to become self-aware in this place and then go back to the creator to improve the creator, okay? So when everyone says God is perfect, God's not perfect and God knows that. God has decided that, that I am not perfect uh, if I were perfect, there would be no reason for me to think of this stuff. So God was trying to, I wonder if I'm not perfect, what can I do to improve myself? And this was one of the scenarios, create this entire multiverse. And then when that was done, there was nobody in it to observe it, experience it. And so then there was the creation of life to do just that. And the dynamic of how that is structured, how it happens, uh, what all of is needed, and then that became, um, well, we got to figure out what we want to have and everything, and that turned into infinite everything, where uh, literally infinite beings, because then the creator just started creating new and different, uh, uh, then gave uh, all of us the free will, hence the term again being used, to do the same, so that we could come up with every possible thing, so it doesn't take uh, you know, a, a trillion, trillion, billion, billion, trillion, trillion years for uh, for the creator to uh, do this and, and expand exponentially, uh, allowing all of us to have complete autonomy, free will to then uh, experience and create, co-create 
uh, makes all of that happen almost in an instant. When you're outside of time, it does, but we're not outside of time here uh, in this place. When you're focused on this place, you're uh, you're in, in time, uh, so you have a past, a present, and a future. But when you get up above here, all of that happens at once. But you have to go through this because this is sort of the controlling um, factor. People don't talk about this much because everyone, I always said, why are we humans so arrogant and thinking that the universe revolves around us? It doesn't, but it does. It doesn't revolve around the humans on earth. Well, wait, we're the only people in the entire uh, universe. There's no one else anywhere. There might've been a time when uh, when the universe was just first created to where it was localized. That isn't now, okay? Uh, but the, I think that, and this I could be wrong in, but I believe this, because where the mass creation happens, because, uh, you know, like we say here in the United States, that necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, that's I don't know if you guys say that in your countries, but I know that was a, a, a thing that was invented here in the United States, a saying necessity is the mother of invention. So literally, when you're put into a scenario to where you have to you might die and you're worried about mortality, that changes when you become desperate. It changes your perspective and you're forced to then create something or figure things out. This is why the whole battle between good and evil thing, the whole light and dark, the whole in service to self and in service to others is created because that spawns a need to create. And it, and it forces you to do it faster than it did before the veiling and before uh, uh, evil was created. Okay. That's why this entire thing works. So literally to get back on point and then we'll hit, let raw answer the question uh, further, literally the creator is becoming self-aware of itself here in this place. And we're manifesting that we becoming self-aware over and over and over and going through these scenarios and then moving back up to the creator and then recycling and then becoming some other something else again to start over. I don't want to get involved in that. That's another discussion. I could probably write a book about the entire thing the process itself. Okay. But that is, Recreating and recreating and recreating and recreating scenarios, and uh, the 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 creator of the universe is expanding uh, its consciousness as we are expanding our consciousness at the exact same time. So it's becoming they, we, them, us, I, whatever, however you want to use that vernacular there to make it fit in your little brain uh, right now. Whatever your development is, that that is what we are all doing, and at the same time. So whether or not you think you're connected to the creator, you are, in fact, the creator. You just don't won't know it. You're not aware of it yet until the veiling goes away. All right. So let's continue and listen. This is quite correct. 27.10 questioner. This then being the first distortion of the law of one, which I am assuming is the law of intelligent infinity from all other correction, all other distortions, which are the total experience of the creation spring from this. Is this correct? Sorry, I just saw, Cassie, what you wrote when I was saying, let me say that again, right? <laughs> she, she says, yes, brother, say it so that everyone in the back can hear you. Can you hear me in the back? That's funny. All right, let's continue. <laughs> That's hilarious. I had, to, I had to shout that out, shout out to Cassie for that one. That was good. Say it, right? Yes, brother, say it. Say it so everyone in the back can hear you. All right. Raw. I am raw. This is both correct and incorrect. In your illusion, all experience springs from the law of free will or the way of confusion. In another sense, which we are learning, the experiences are this distortion. 27.11 questioner, I will have to think about that and ask questions on it in the next session. 
So I will go on to what you have given me as the second distortion which is the distortion of love. Is this correct? Ra, I am Ra. This is correct. 27.12 Questioner, I would like for you to define love in the sense in its sense as the second distortion. Ra, I am Ra. This must be defined against the background of intelligent infinity or unity or the one creator with the primal distortion of free will. The term love then may be seen as the focus, the choice of attack, the type of energy of an extremely, shall we say, high order which causes intelligent energy to be formed from the potential of intelligent infinity in just such and such a way. This then may be seen to be an object rather than an activity by some of your peoples, and the principle of this extremely strong energy focus being worshipped as the creator instead of unity or oneness from which all loves emanate. 27.13 Questioner. Right. So, I mean, uh, literally look at that. Okay. So he was literally saying that the, the distortion of love, not just being this feeling, everybody tried here in this place. Uh, and this is why I talked about the word games that they're playing here in this place. They diminish all uh, concept words down to a base root. They give you all these definitions that mean that concept, but they don't tell you that the word is a concept word. All words are concept words. They go, well, if it's a noun, it's this. If it's an adjective, it's that. If it's a verb, it's that. If it's an adverb, it's that. And what they do is they don't they don't tell you that. They just print it in the description if you look up definition of words. And then now they're all limiting those uh, uses to just a, a few. So what they're giving you is the, the one they want you to to get the translation for first and then the least uh, amount, not the one that they want you to know the least, but the one that will be completely foreign to you. And chances are, you know, that's not what you're looking for. And then they will, they kind of just drop off the other ones. Now adverbs and stuff like that, unless you have a, a printed book that you can open up, uh, uh, they tell you words and a thesaurus that tell you the other words that mean the same thing, which they, they don't put that in the regular dictionary. You notice how they don't do that? They don't show you that? Why don't they just print it in the dictionary and say this word and then the other words that mean the same thing are listed with it, but, but they give you two separate books because it makes it harder for you to figure out and you have to actually go and look things up. So they, they've changed the internet algorithm so that when you look something up, it gives you the most commonly used definition, which is the one they prefer that you un understand. Okay, like the like uh, equity and, and equality. Okay, and I've gone over that a bazillion times. People are now starting to catch on when I when they first started doing it, and then they popped up this comparison. I went freaking. I had a stroke and started telling everybody about it, and it took four months before I saw it on television or heard it on another podcast. I'm not saying I was the only one that did it. Obviously, other people did it as well because it caught on enough to where on the mainstream media, they started talking about it. OK, but it took like four months for that to catch on. And I immediately jumped on that and was and literally going, here's how they're selling you on uh, equity and equality. Well, they do the same thing with the word understanding. They don't tell you that down on that list of uh, definitions of understanding, they tell you the one they want you to know that understanding means do you actually uh, cognitively get what I'm saying to you. Okay. But that's not what they're saying to you. Cause anybody who ever says that to you, they say it as if they're in charge of you. No one ever says hardly ever. It's tried to become more commonplace where I say something and then they go, do you understand? Right. But that means, do you stand under me? Do, do you submit to my will? Understand, stand under me. Does that, that means, do you bend to my will 
and be a subordinate to me. That's why usually when people are angry with you, they say that word. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Do you get me? That's that's see what they're what they're saying to you is in an aggressive tone. They're saying you will bend to my will. I am the authority over you. I am your overlord. You are my servant. You will do what I tell you to do. You will believe what I tell you to believe. Okay. That doesn't mean do you discern that? Do you understand that? Doesn't mean that. But that's what they want you to believe that it means. So they do that with all words in this place on this planet. Uh, and some other planets as well, but this one is the this is the the modus operandi. Those are those are Latin words, <laughs> right? The mo. This is their practice of how they get by your knowledge. Is they take away the definition from being readily available to you. They give you the definition that they want you to get only, and then they give you a couple of obscure ones that are really low on the amount of times being used. But the one that they don't want you to actually know is not listed unless you have a hardcover book. OK, so so you have to literally. Hi, Rachel, by the way, um, uh, I, I, I like that. You, it, it actually says Rachel learned. Right. So I don't know if that's an alias or, or if that's actually your last name. Uh, but that's kind of cool. Right. <laughs> and then and what's the other one? Uh, Global, what is that? Global body adventures. Wait, global adventure. I don't know how to say it. I don't have my glasses on, uh, but welcome, right? Yeah, stop them. Yeah, we need to. Uh, not really the way you stop them because because the, the, the concept in your instinct is to fight because that's where they keep you in your vibration. So the concept is we have to fight them. We have to stop them. How you stop them and how you fight them is to learn and to, and to not allow them to do it. You don't have to fight anything. All you have to do is not allow them to get away with it, okay, is hold them accountable. You don't have, So I guess that does stop them, but everyone thinks immediately fight them, uh, open war, uh, you know, revolution. You don't have to do any of that. Look what Mahatma Gandhi was trying to teach you. All you have to do is say no. Mahatma Gandhi, if you don't know who Mahatma Gandhi is, you should look that up. Mahatma Gandhi started a revolution in the country of India when the English government ruled it by force and taught the people that if they just sat down and said, no, we're not going to comply. We're not doing the work for you. We're not going to do all your, all the job. You want all this stuff to be done. Do it yourself. Grow the own, your own food. Uh, pay, you know, Go out and cultivate it. Go out and, and harvest it. Make all your shit. We're not your slaves. We're not going to do it. Okay. A lot of people got beaten. Mahatma Gandhi got shot through the heart for it. But they said no. And eventually the English government packed up and went home and India became a free nation because Mahatma Gandhi said no. Okay, so you don't have to go to war with people and get into gunfights and blow each other up and do like they're doing over in the Gaza Strip and and, uh, Israel currently shooting and killing and blowing people up and murdering innocent uh, uh, kids and civilians left and right. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is don't allow someone to do something. But if they if they do that to you, you can't. And that's where everybody goes, oh, turn the other cheek like Jesus will just get your ass kicked. Yeah, it will if somebody's beating on you. That's not what Jesus was saying when he said that. It's not. You should look that up. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Rick is back. Welcome. Right? Yeah, Mahatma Mahatma Gandhi. Right? Mahatma Makot. Is that what you said? So... Literally, you have to realize that you have more power. You have power because they want your money. They depend on your money. 
And the only way they can keep getting your money is they have to have you not realize that you're get, they're getting all of your money. So literally, when you take the money away from them, they'll change. If you stop the money from flowing to them and tell them, no, you don't have control. You don't own me. We own you. They're going to try and beat you into submission at first. And then if that's the case, that's when it gets to a point where you have to do something physically to defend yourself. But you have to, the only way you can justify that is for the world to see that you were not just in taking over. That's what they tried to say on January 6th in the United States and successfully got away with it in Brazil doing the exact same thing, by the way. Uh, I know people that lived in Brazil that said they even had the Indian guy and the, and the Viking guy over here doing the same thing. So they, so they had a script. It was a script written down. And I know where they got it from. They got it from the Three Musketeers book, read it, or watch the movies. Okay? It was a fake invasion of the Capitol in that, in that movie and books that was paid for uh, and, and propagated by people internally to make the king look weak and bad. They did the same thing here in the United States to make Donald Trump, the would-be king, look weak and bad. Okay, And then they did it over in Brazil to make their president look weak and bad. Did the same thing. It's the same scenario. As soon as I saw it happening live, I was like, this is the Three Musketeers scenario being played out before my eyes. And it's never changed. During January 6th, when it was happening until this day, I believe that it was a script. And that'll come out in history at some point. It will. And, and, and some of us already know it, right? But then people, like when I'm saying this to you, some of you who are buying into the religion of evil are already triggered and you think I'm your enemy automatically. So in any time, if you think, if you refer back to politics and think I'm your enemy, you're actually doing their job for them, whether you know it or not. They've already brainwashed you into believing and buying into their religion. And you're defending their religion by picking a side. That's what they want you to do in everything, guys. Everything. They want you to always pick a side. They want you to be in the mindset that everybody's your enemy. And so you're just waiting for someone to trigger you. You can't wait for, for someone to say something so you can yell back past them and, and go into a tirade and go crazy. That's where they want you. They don't want you talking to each other. They don't want you figuring that shit out. Because if you start talking to each other instead of past each other and paying attention to what the other person is saying, then all of a sudden shit gets done. and There's a compromise. They can't have that total war of the planet in the third world war can't happen if everybody is actually paying attention to what's going on and not being ravenous. Right. All right, let's continue. Is love, is there a manifestation of love that we could call vibration? Ra, I am Ra. Again, we reach semantic difficulties. The vibration or density of love or understanding is not a term used in the same sense as the second distortion, love. The distortion love being the great activator and primal co-creator of various creations using intelligent infinity. The vibration love being that density in which those who have learned to do an activity called loving without significant distortion, then seek the ways of light or wisdom. The I had to pause real quick. Uh, welcome, Reese. I didn't see you there, brother. Welcome. <laughs> he said, here, here. All right, let's continue. Thus in vibratory sense, love comes into light in the sense of the activity of unity in its free will. Love uses light and has the power to direct light in its distortions. Thus, vibratory complexes recapitulate and reverse the creation in its unity, thus showing the rhythm or flow of the great heartbeat, if you will use this analogy. 27.14 questioner, I will make a statement that I have extracted from the... All right, I'm going to let this play for a second, but my mother just came in here and she's 
she's confused, so she's going to sit down at the table and stare at me. So I'm going to let Raw talk, and I'm going to go and have my mom sit down in the other room, uh, and I'll be right back. Okay, so I'm going to let this question play out. I'll be right back. If I can get the question to start. Physics of Dewey Larson, which may or may not be close to what we are trying to explain. Larson says that all is motion, which we can take as vibration, and that vibration, which is pure vibration and is not physical in any way or in any form or in any density, that vibration, by first product of that vibration is what we call the photon, particle of light. I was trying to make an analogy between this physical solution and the concept of love and light. Is this close to the concept of love creating light, or not? Ra, I am Ra. You are correct. 27.15 questioner, then I will expand a bit more on this concept. We have the infinite vibration of love which can occur, I am assuming, at varying frequencies. If this has a meaning in this, I would assume that it begins at one basic frequency. Does this have any meaning? Am I making sense? Is this correct? Ra, I am Ra. Each love, as you term the prime movers, comes from one frequency, if you wish to use this term. This frequency is unity. We would perhaps liken it rather to a strength than a frequency, this strength being infinite. Oh, and I'm going to pause it real quick. Sorry about that, guys. My mother has Alzheimer's, in case you guys don't know uh, that I'm her caregiver. She was trying to put on her uh, her jacket because she's cold, because she's 79 years old, right? And so she's skinny, frail, and thin, thin skin. So she's trying to put her jacket on, and she was buttoning it wrong. So I thought she was just coming in here because she was confused to sit down. She was actually coming in and looking at me like, I can't figure out my buttons on my jacket. So I, I buttoned her jacket up for her and then she's back sitting down in there. Okay. So, uh, so I'm going to back that up just a little bit. I know you guys listened to it already, but I'm going to back it up so that we can talk about what was there. So hold on. Um, let me, I got this thing in the darn way. So I'm going to back it up a few minutes here into this question and we'll start that again. I apologize uh, because there are a few things I wanted to talk about right there. I was even listening while I was buttoning her shirt. I don't know if you could hear me talk. I was literally just standing six feet away from the microphone. You might've heard me in the background talking to my mom. All right, let's, let's uh, start right here. Use this analogy. 27.14 questioner. I will make a statement that I have extracted from the physics of Dewey Larson, which may or may not be close to what we are trying to explain. Larson says that all is motion which we can take as vibration, and that vibration, which is pure vibration and is not physical in any way or in any form or in any density, that vibration, by first product of that vibration is what we call the photon, particle of light. I was trying to make an analogy between this physical solution and the concept of love and light. Okay, now I wanted to back that up there because this is actually very important right here. Um, Dawn... Uh, is actually a, or was a nuclear physicist, okay? Uh, he was on to it, but I, I don't know how far because I never spoke to him. Uh, you have to remember that I was going to be a physicist, right? I have two nephews. One is currently going to end up going to work for NASA if he's not already. He graduated from Stanford. And his younger brother uh, is actually smarter than he is, right? Uh, and they're both geniuses, uh, literally, and and. Uh, Literally, we have this that Sheldonism. If you guys have ever watched the uh, Big Bang Theory, there's a guy on there that was called Leonard, but I was more like Sheldon. Uh, and, and they didn't call me that because there was no Sheldon when I was younger. Uh, but we called the other kids that because they were alive when Sheldon was alive. Uh, I was called Professor Precise by my family. Uh, and that was because I was just like uh, Sheldon, but I wasn't a, a, a dick like that and treated people like they were stupid. However, the oldest nephew does. He's ruder than, more rude than Sheldon. 
Um, I, the, and his brother is more like Leonard and more like me. Uh, and so literally when I talk to them, uh, I'm the only person that actually gets them. And they're like, why are you not working for the government? I'm like, they tried to recruit me when I was 11. Not a joke, not a lie. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure that they've had the same conversations. I don't think they have with Sage. He's the youngest one uh, because he's actually on the spectrum. So I don't know. I'm not sure if they're, I think they're kind of afraid of him because they don't know when people are uh, autistic, they don't know if they're going to pop off for some reason, but I wouldn't doubt that they're already working. And I haven't asked him about that, but I know his brother uh, literally was going to, you know, end up working for somebody on the day he was graduating at Stanford. My brother, his father went down and picked him up and said, you know, now you got like all this education, physics and all that. And I, I don't remember if he got a doctorate right then, but he definitely got a bachelor's degree. Um, and he said, you can go to work for NASA and you can work on the space shuttle or rockets. And he actually said, dad, I, I fucking hate rockets. <laughs> so, pardon my American. And he said, you hate rockets. Why are you doing all of this? He said, because I want to know the real technology of what we really have. And my brother looked at him because he knew, because he was like, oh, man, you sound like your uncle. And he said, but he didn't say that to him right then or he might have, but I don't, he may not have told me that he said that, but he, I know that's what he was thinking. And he said, what do you mean? And he says, Dad, do, do you really think that with all of the technology that we have currently, cell phones and, and smartphones and all of this, all of the computer technology that we have, we're literally still using the rocket from 1938 to propel our, ourselves into space. We've gone from literally the, in 1985, the, the uh, Texas Instrument calculator could have ran the entire space program from the 1960s. Not a joke. Okay, so your cell phone today, your smartphone today, if you were to take your smartphone and go backwards in time to 1969, uh, uh, you would be able to literally control, get in, in contact with the space shot or the rockets and literally control them and do whatever you wanted. You could take control of the entire planet at the time. Okay, so we're to believe that we have all this technology now and the propulsion systems that we have to gain access to outer space <coughs> and to fly around in outer space is a hundred years old, but everything else has exponentially grown. So he said, dad, I want to know what the real technology is that we really have. So he's smart enough to realize that the space shuttle is, is basically a jet fighter plane or a jet aircraft that is capable of go of, of self-sustaining people being in, alive inside of it, uh, uh, going up into space. And the truth is they float around in there. So all they're doing is making it possible for that spaceship to come back in. That's it. So literally the space shuttle, the best thing that we have on supposedly on all countries, except for a rocket, which they haven't changed that technology, is the rocket engine to get us to go up there. And the only difference between a regular aircraft coming back into the atmosphere is that the outer shell is designed to be able to withstand all the heat of reentry. Otherwise, it's just a... a, a it's just a plane with a rocket engine on it. And that plane, and it, when they get us into space, they can't use the rocket engine because there's no oxygen in space. So you can't have fire. So once they get outside of the atmosphere, they just fire oxygen from oxygen tanks. Psst, 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 and that propels them because it creates uh, a lift. Now, so 
that's that's what you know. So I wanted you to know that. Preface all of that. Let's get back to Don was a, a nuclear physicist, so he's on to it when he's talking about um, what what's his name said with uh, a vibration. Okay, I tell you all of that, and then I'm gonna let Raw talk. But I'm gonna tell you this: I'll tell you all of that to get you to this point. Nikola Tesla, in the in late 1800s and early 1900s, the man died in the 1930s, right? Maybe 1940s. He said, the secret to the universe is energy, frequency, and vibration. Energy, frequency, and vibration. Or if you're European, energy, frequency, <laughs> and vibration. Okay? So Dawn is on to it here, but he talks about vibratory patterns because raw is consistently uh, talking about everything being a vibratory pattern. Instead of talking about and making the connection, Raw's not making the connection of energy, frequency, vibration. There's a reason that Raw's not doing that in 1981 to 1984, and that I'm doing it now, okay? Because the information that Nikola Tesla said when he was still alive, he said to the world, but the truth was the world wasn't ready to know it, and so not very many people actually understood what it was uh, uh, that he was saying back then. And, and it wasn't like now where it's broadcast readily to the entire planet. So I can still say it to you. And if you're not ready for it individually, you're not going to, uh, to accept what I have to say, uh, at all. Well, when I'm talking and that's okay, it's your choice. Okay. But that is literally three, six and nine. It is the secret to the universe. And I believe that Don realizes this, but is not asking the question because raw hasn't brought it up in any way. Or he was never really good at asking questions because he was a, a, a scientist and most of us are introverted. So we're not really good with people on talking to people. I'm the opposite. I used to not be. I was very introverted until I was in my early 20s. Then I met a woman who, who uh, really helped me uh, to get outside of my own head and to actually start saying things uh, to people. Because I was a lot like Einstein where uh, I still am. I wear, let I me mean, look at the shirt that I'm wearing right now. It's black. It's got, uh, you know, uh, stuff on the front of it. But um, most of the stuff that I wear is very basic. Like Albert Einstein had one suit. He had seven of them and they were all the exact same pattern. Most of the people who are, who are really smart and intelligent, we don't wear um, all, either that or we get really ex weird and we wear a bunch of uh, stuff with the multicolors. But most of the time we don't want to think about what we're wearing. So we wear uh, minimal I wear a lot of black uh, and um, and people are like, well, geez, you know, you're doom and gloom, Leo. Why do you wear so much black? Because black goes with everything and I don't have to worry about trying to in any way match anything. I don't want to spend the time to think about what I'm going to wear. So I wear the same colors all the time so that I can just put things on and people get used to it. Like I used to wear blue jeans all the time and I would wear a black shirt or a blue shirt. That's it. Rarely do I have a different color shirt on. Why? I don't have to think about it. And so I, I'm not trying to, people get used to you, not, uh, not, well, hey, what are you wearing today? That's, you know, uh, I wear this on Tuesday. And some people are organized and very linear and they have to have a different set of clothing every day. And those people spend a lot of time worrying about that. People who use their brain to try and think the way that we do and, and uh, are concerned with uh, expansion of consciousness. We don't have the time to be going. And then tomorrow I'm going to wear the green suit with the green tie, but not that one that I wore last week. Cause someone might notice the difference. So I'll buy another tie. 
I used to literally, when I was in my 20s, I had one tie for every day of the year. I had one tie for every day. I don't mean one. I had 365 ties. And each day I would wear a different tie and I had them numbered so that I wouldn't wear the same one twice. And it didn't take me very long to get out of that pattern because I was spending time and realized, my God, I, at the time I was being very mundane and not doing what I'm doing now. I'd stopped doing it for a little bit of time uh, when I was in my early 20s because I thought, OK, I'm going to go. I need to get money. So I need to do this and start a family. And then quickly I was like, I can't do this. I have to go back to what I was doing. And to do that, you have to push out a lot of things that are mundane that way. I'm very simple. I don't need trinkets on the walls. I don't need all this stuff. And I've never had that. If you know me, and both of my ex-wives would tell you that they'd go, well, how do we want to decorate the house? I'm like, you do that. I don't care. So like, what do you mean you don't care? You don't have any say? I'm like, I don't care. Uh, and then I have problems with colors, right? I only see 28 colors in the spectrum. So color to me has never been an issue. I've never been worried about it because I don't see the colors you guys see. So going to paint, I don't remember which wife it was now. I think it was my first wife. Don't quote me. It could have been my second one. But we were going in to, to pick colors out to paint a bathroom. Might have been my first wife. Don't doesn't matter. Whichever, if neither one of them listen to the show, so they can't get mad at me. So literally, uh, I, I we were there, and there was this whole rack of colors. And the guy was talking to the two of us. And, of course, you know how people are. They immediately go, Mr. must be in charge because he's the man, uh, especially in America, right? You know, it must be the guy in charge. Uh, and so he was asking me questions and she would answer them. And he was like, well, what do you think? Right. He said to me, and she said, it doesn't matter what he thinks. And the guy was like, oh, wow, this guy's uh, in America. We have a term henpecked, right? Oh, this guy's a henpecked son of a bitch. And I looked at him and she goes, no, it's not what you think. It's not that I'm uh, overbearing. It's just that he's colorblind. So it doesn't matter what he thinks because he's, he doesn't see the colors like we do. And he was like, really? And he's like, how, how bad are you on the spectrum? I said, I've never really been tested. I just know that I have serious issues with se separation of colors. He says, all right, then show me right here. He says, do you see all these? Um, there was inserts, you know, this whole rack of inserts. And he said, how, count how many distinct colors you see there. And I counted. And I was like, and, and he was like, uh, okay. And he's thinking, okay, this could take a while. And I counted 28. And I looked at him and I said, there's 28 colors there. He said, you only see 28 colors there. And I said, yeah, I thought that like almost each row was just this way with all the same color. Because that's what I saw. Every single slot, there was over a thousand colors there. And I saw 28 colors on that spectrum. <laughs> so we process differently uh, and we don't, we don't want to waste time on certain things. Even though I talk a lot. I used to not do this and I used to hardly ever speak to anybody because I didn't I didn't care to uh, to talk to people and tell people what was going on because I was figuring it all out to, for myself. Uh, and I had already learned that the governments would try and steal everything to turn it into a weapon. So I burned all of my notes, put everything to memory and didn't talk about it to anybody because I didn't want the information to be get to the children who were going to turn it into a weapon. Now I just don't talk about anything they can turn into a weapon. And I'm telling all of you guys, everything else that they don't care that I talk about. When I start talking about politics, there's algorithms to watch me and to kick me off the air because I'm giving you information that they don't want you to know. But when it comes to spirituality, there are certain freedoms they can't infringe on. Okay. 
They'll, but they've tried. So they control the religions from the top down and they don't let the priests in the in the whatever magi or whatever they're called in whatever religion give you 100 percent of the information because uh, they don't teach it to them even. So they don't know that they're missing anything. And that's what they've done with everything. And you guys don't know that you're even missing anything because it was just taken away before you were born. In each generation, like myself, they've tried to kill us off prior to now to shut us up from telling you this giving you knowledge and, and limit the access of you guys to us. So now what they do is they work on you from birth to think we're crazy. Don't listen to them. That's a crazy person. Right. And that way that works on the majority of the people. And then the ones who do listen, then they have to shut me up if I get too popular. And as soon as I get a certain plateau of popularity, I go, uh, I'm no longer under their radar. And once you become on their radar, they do everything they can do to destroy you and discredit you so that people stop listening to you. And that uh, and that's usually when you start hitting a certain plateau of uh, enough people. And I've been uh, flying under the radar for my entire life on purpose. And now I'm uh, being pushed uh, from not from anybody here, from people on the other side to now go outside of that comfort zone and talk to you guys. And I've been doing it for seven years, eight years, almost 10 years now. And um, I and I'm writing a book. I wrote a book, and I'm writing several others uh, that I'm going to end up getting the attention of uh, this global empire that's going to try and stifle me. Watch how quickly uh, they've already deleted over 500 episodes that I had on YouTube of my podcast. Literally deplatforming, deleted the entire uh, uh, set right off of. You're done, gone, all of it, uh, with without any notice. And that was because I literally detected. Uh, using uh, using uh, algorithm or you actually using anti-malware detected that they were had infiltrated every part of my life and had access to everything, including all my medical records, all my banking. They could have they could have literally just turned off my bank account, took it from me. They can do that anyways, but they could literally have just gone in and took all my money out of the bank and it would look like I did it. When I stifled that, they immediately deplatformed. Me. Okay, so let's let Raw explain. So getting back, he's asking about whether every whether love in the distortion that we're talking about here is in fact a vibration everything is a vibration i will answer that first it is a, everything is a energy a frequency and a vibration okay everything exists in the third dimension under the 3 the 6 and the 9 which are all the 3s okay 3 plus 3 is 6 6 plus 3 is 9 Everything comes in thirds. Have you ever heard those old wives' tales? Everything happens in threes. That's because everything is that makes up reality, what you know in this illusion, is energy, frequency, and vibration as a totality. You are as well. Everything is. So nothing is energy without being a frequency and a vibration. Nothing is a vibration without being energy and a, and a, and a frequency. Nothing is a frequency without being energy or a vibration. Do you understand? Everything is energy, frequency, vibration. Okay? Everything. Nothing is just a vibration because a vibration is vibrating. Therefore, it's motion. Therefore, it is sound. And therefore, because it is something, it is energy. Do you understand that? Do you, do you get that? So, uh, so even light. Light has a visual form. Light has a physical form. Light has a sound. Everything is energy, frequency, frequency is sound, and vibration. Vibration is mm, what you're hearing is the frequency. 
what you feel when you make that sound is the vibration. What you're doing to make that sound with your mouth is the energy being potentiated. So if you do the ohm sound, ohm, you will feel the vibration in your mouth. And then if you do it right, you'll feel it resonate through your skull. To do that, you're using your intention, your energy, and you're making that sound. So there's the physical energy, frequency, vibration. Everything is that. You are, when your heart beats, it is energy constricting the heart. The heart is thumping. That is energy becoming the vibration and the sound that comes off of your heart beating is the, is the, is the frequency. Okay. There is a sound wave. So everything is energy, frequency, vibration. Raw is going to talk about that and I'll let that play. So, but that is the key to the, to the universe that physicists are now getting on to. And, and I believe that Don may have known that he was old enough to have ever read or heard of Nikola Tesla because that was only 40 years ago at the time when this was happening in 1981, I was what, 23 years old, 24 years old. Uh, Don was in his uh, late mid to late fifties. Like I am now back then. Anyway, let's continue. Is this close to the concept of love creating life or not? Ra, I am Ra. You are correct. 27.15 questioner. Then I will expand a bit more on this concept. We have the infinite vibration of love which can occur, I am assuming, at varying frequencies. If this has a meaning in this, I would assume that it begins at one basic frequency. Does this have any... Right, Mac, Mac said, yeah. Yeah, I do. The, the so I own sometimes when I do meditation, right, uh, now working in, in uh, journaling. So you guys are talking amongst yourselves, but, he, but, you're, but literally, if you do meditation correctly... Uh, and that balances your body and that has to do with energy, frequency, vibration and uh, your totality of, of uh, balancing that. And you should always journal. I tell people that I, I used to journal and I destroyed all my journals. When I was working uh, as a maintenance guy, I journaled every day, everything that I was told to do. I wrote down the time, who told me to do it. And uh, when I got done doing it and I carried uh, that with me everywhere I went and I kept them for the 10 years that I worked for the company, I had stacks of them in my house that were hard copies. And I did that so that nobody could say I wasn't doing something because I could say, what day? Where do you think that I was on that day? And I could pull up and say, this is my journal from that day. And this is what I did and what you told me that I had to do. And this is when you stopped me from that job and told me to go to another job and do that. And then I can't, went, tried to go back to that job and you gave me a different job. So now you're telling me I didn't get that job done. Why didn't I get that job done? You stopped me two times during the course of that day and had me go and do other jobs. And they couldn't say, no, I didn't. And I'd say, well, then why would I write that down? Why would I fake that? So you're saying I'm lying about that, that you never did that? So if they ever said that, I would say... Make a note somewhere that you are now distracting me from this job to tell me go do another job because I'm writing it down. And in the future, I want you to remember this. So if you don't write it down, uh, then I started handing in copies at the end of every day. You do that to your, your employer and quickly they're either going to hate you and get rid of you or they're going to tell you, OK, just stop. Uh, or they're going to go, no, you should do that. And I think, cause I told them one time when they questioned me, I said, do you want me to turn in at the end of every day? I'll turn in what I've done at the exact same time. I'll write it down anyway. 
so I can sit down. You could give me 15 minutes at the end of every day and pay me. I will sit down and either copy this little book for you or write it, rewrite it in a, in a, uh, whatever form you want me to write it in, and I'll hand it in to you at the end of every day. You can go and check, see if I actually did that stuff. Uh, quickly, when you actually will do that due diligence, you'll find uh, that um, your employer is uh, going to appreciate you more and not uh, come after you for doing it. So it is smart to journal, and I teach that so that you can go back because it's just your thoughts. Writing them down, people say that you don't realize how far you've come in your development until you have uh, something to look back on to find out what your mindset was when you started. I have that same thing happen and I don't write it down and I should. I learn languages. I'm, I'm teaching myself 20 different languages, 22 languages uh, currently, uh, every almost every European language that there is to learn and a few others, Hawaiian, uh, Navajo, even Klingon, right? Nerds always need to learn Klingon. I'm actually learning Klingon. Um, I literally teaching myself these languages. I don't, I don't realize how much I've learned until I do some practice or, uh, or all of a sudden, like my sister realized, cause she's also uh, doing Spanish, uh, learning Spanish. And she's uh, surpassed me in Spanish now because she's just doing Spanish. She's always been better at me than Spanish because she's older than me. And we had to take Spanish when we were kids. So I've always looked up to my sister because she inspired me because she could, she knew more than I did. And then I knew more than she did. And now she does. But she literally said, wow, I can literally turn on the television and, and actually understand uh, watching them talking on the news or something. I'm like, me too. And if you don't do that, you don't think it's like when you're working out uh, and you're lifting weights and you're like, oh, my God, I'm always in pain, no pain, no gain. And I'm always having a hard time lifting. You're not paying attention uh, to just how much you can lift until uh, you don't aren't in your natural uh, workout cycle that you have and you do something else and people go, Oh my God, you're huge. How did you get those muscles? And that's when you go, Oh yeah, I guess, you know, and so that's why they tell you take pictures. That's the form of journaling. Okay. Uh, so it's always good to do that. Um, and so Mac is, uh, Mac is talking about, yeah, 17, 417 Hertz is a relationship and getting rid of negative energy, right? And that, that actual frequency uh, helps to cleanse. Uh, that vibration out of your uh, body. Uh, so you should look into that. So yeah, Mac, I agree. Mac D. Smith, <laughs> right? Well, because Peter's putting up 528. That's the God frequency that uh, Peter just put up, 528. Isn't that the God frequency? Yeah, that's the God frequency. So, but then Mac is saying, you know, for persons, uh, 417 hertz is uh, good for getting rid of negative energy. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was putting that up. So literally that's where they're talking about where um, like with everything tuned to C, uh, I don't know how much, you know, Mac, everything tuned to C, all the instruments tuned to C everyone's like, Oh yeah, that's the perfect sound. It's actually not um, the actual uh, uh, perfect harmonics other than Ohm. Ohm is the harmonic, the perfect harmonic resonance for this condition. Um, but it's not for music for music. It's actually a G uh, major or G minor. It's actually in the G range, not in C. Uh, C is, a, is the wrong, uh, uh, the the wrong frequency, right? Yeah. And Max said there's nine nine of them, nine frequencies. There's many other frequencies, every single level. But you're talking about the nine major arcana that coincide with the seven that people are aware of, major chakras. Um, but that there's actually nine of those. 
Uh, and there's actually far more. And I have that listed on the uh, a couple of reels that I made where I'm just showing you from the base red ray route, nothing below that, but just the base red ray route starting here in the third dimension. And then the 22 that go above that, <laughs> right? I don't even show you if there's 22 above, there's 22 below. Okay, so if there's 22 above, there's 22 below. That means that everything that's external is internal. And I'm not going to get involved in that. But let's let Raw continue with talking about this this vibration of, because they're talking about the distortion of love still, correct? Meaning, am I making sense? Is this correct? Raw, I am raw. Each love, as you term the prime movers, comes from one frequency, if you wish to use this term. This frequency is unity. We would perhaps liken it rather to a strength than a frequency, this strength being infinite, the finite qualities being chosen by the particular nature of this primal movement. 27.16 questioner, then this vibration which is, for lack of better understanding, which we would call pure motion, it is pure love, it is it is not there is nothing that is yet condensed, shall we say, to form any type or density of illusion. This love then creates by this process of vibration a photon, as we call it, which is the basic particle of light. This photon then, by added vibrations and rotations, further condenses into particles of the densities, the various densities that we experience. Is this correct? Ra, I am Ra. This is correct. 27. Close enough. I could go into more details, but he's very close. Close enough to where uh, Ra was like, close enough for government work, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I don't know if you understood what he was saying, but he was he was literally playing that out. It's the reason why I said what I said to you about energy, frequency and vibration, because he was literally just giving you that the spin ratio. And he was saying the vibration, the energy and all of that is motion. Motion is what? Right. Do you see energy, frequency, vibration all together is makes motion. That's why light has a has a wave, which is a motion. It's movement. And that also has a frequency that is vibrating and then it is vibrating because it has a frequency. So you can't have a frequency. You can't have sound without vibration. Sound is vibration, but it's also movement. And then you have to have energy to create that. So energy, frequency, vibration has to happen, cannot happen in this universe the way it's created here in this illusion is energy, frequency, vibration. And that's the three, six and nine. And that's what Mac was referring to with the nine frequencies. And they didn't know this although they, they surmised it, uh, but when you go back to uh, even uh, uh, um, Pythagoras, when, 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 uh, when they were talking about the same scenario, they didn't actually know three and six or three and nine. They, what they thought, they didn't know three and nine. What they thought was three, six, and nine was actually three, four, and eight, or three, five, and eight, three, four, and eight. And it was actually three, four, and eight. They knew three, but they didn't know six and nine. And it wasn't until 1938 that we actually discovered three and nine. No, it was internal. So they had three and nine, but they didn't have six and eight. Don't quote me now. I, I apologize. This is, you know, here I am, Doc Brown. I apologize because this is not to scale. Uh, but it was three that they said that were internalized. But I think they were wrong when they said that because I think Pythagoras knew nine. But don't quote me. I think he would, I think I'm, I think it was five and eight. So they knew three, four and nine. They didn't know uh, five and eight, six, five, six and eight. So there was, those were the three they didn't know five, six and eight. Um, so we didn't have the, the complete uh, ideology to prove in math of three, six and nine. Uh, and then, uh, so literally Nikola Tesla was ahead of the game 
by saying everything. And he didn't say three, six, and nine. He was saying everything in threes. So that was because he couldn't prove the nine number. So Nikola Tesla didn't actually say three, six, and nine. If you go back and read any of his uh, stuff uh, or read any of the interviews that they still have on Microfish and things like that now in digital, uh, that he was always talking about threes, everything in threes. But he would say three and three and three. He would say three, three, three. And it mostly he said three, but then he would say in threes. And he was saying like three to the third power or three, three, three. Uh, because he didn't actually get the three, six, and nine because they didn't actually have the vibration. And it wasn't until 1938 when someone discovered that. And that's when they changed the frequency of uh, of tuning away from the, the Gs and into the C to keep everybody on that. So if you listen to a G, not a flat, because the G flat doesn't sound right to people, but it doesn't sound right because you're used to listening to everything uh, 444 hertz. Uh, or 440 hertz, uh, and that's C, and that's not that's not G. So if you listen to G, uh, they tell you G's at the end of the spectrum, and G is a, is a weird uh, vibration that sounds off. But when you get into, uh, and this is where my nephew was tripping on me because he was getting to into the to the 32 time. Uh, I sent him that a thing on that and talked to him about 16 time and 32 time and 33 time. Because because uh, your natural instinct is to go 8, 16, 32 in music, and that's insane. That's an insane beat. So most stuff happens in 2-2 two, two time. Uh, most of your instruments are very basic, and it happens in 2-2 two, two and sometimes 4-4. Four, four. If you don't know music theory, then I've already lost you. Um, and anybody that, that, that does something on a beat that's faster than that uh, repetition uh, is really hard to do. And that's why when I, uh, I talk about um, Tool and uh, Danny, uh, uh, Danny Carey, the drummer, when he actually does uh, a literally a drum beat in, in one of the songs, I think it's Numa, uh, he actually does uh, live on his birthday, um, uh, live on his birthday, he actually does two uh, independent drum beats uh, literally rhythms, one with his right foot in his right hand and one with his left foot in his left hand. And both are not the same drum beat. They're completely separate and they're both at 16 time. So he's literally doing, playing a 33 time rhythm and he's playing half of it with one, with his right foot on one drum pedal and his right hand and the other one with his left foot on one left drum pedal uh, playing two separate bass drums and two entire sets of drumming except for the hi-hat and because that's the only thing that they save in, in, in common. And he's playing completely different rhythms in 16, 16 time at the same time, separate. And he's perfect, perfect in a way that they can't, that people just freak out about. And so that's a 33 time. Well, he always wears, uh, because he's from that area of Austin and he was a fan. He always wears a, a, a Larry Bird shirt that is the number 33. And there's a reason that Larry Bird chose the number 33. And then you have a lot of people doing uh, 23 and 32 and, and that. And I'm not going to get involved in that with theory. But the energy, the frequency, and the vibration to understand that the, all those things all happen together in everything that we do uh, is, is foreign to uh, physicists uh, because they're not being taught it. Uh, so they have no idea what gravity is. They're like, eh, we think there's some molten core of copper in the center of the earth because we use copper to generate uh, electricity. So the planet must too. Um, and so it's spinning and that's creating this, this uh, electrical magnetic field, but they're, they're not saying that it's an electromagnetic wave form. They're not getting that. Uh, and that it has nothing to do with the rotation of the earth. The rotation of the earth is because of that 
uh, magnetic electromagnetic waveform, but it's not being generated by the Earth. Okay, it's actually being generated by you, me, and all other life forms on this Earth and in it. <laughs> okay, I, and they're not willing to accept that uh, because that is so foreign to them that it puts it out of their control. The more spiritual the population of a sphere is the more dense the gravitational pull because your density is rising in a spiritual way and then it creates that but you get you because you raise with the vibration you don't notice that gravity is actually pulling on you slightly harder and uh, gravitational pull actually increases your life expectancy they haven't gotten that uh, uh, theory down yet either right uh, and i was already onto that as a physicist when i was 18 years old and I was already figuring that out. And uh, all of that information was burned and, and uh, uh, there is nothing written down. So I sell, I say that to you. And science behind the scenes is becoming aware of it, but they won't talk about it in the mainstream because that's in there or therein lies free energy. And that doesn't, uh, and that's not in burning something or blowing something up. That the fire, the, the explosion to gain energy is one way of doing it, but it's costly and it costs just about as much as it does to create energy. Uh, even with the, you know, the, the most efficient would be a nuclear uh, explosion, but that has a waste. So, uh, so free energy is in, uh, is in the heart and they don't, they don't want anybody to know about that because they can't control your heart. They can control your mind and get you to do things for them. But the second you realize it, you stop working for them. So they always have to look for somebody newer and younger that they can get to uh, give them uh, the, the stuff, right? So anyway, let's continue. Point one seven questioner. Now, this then light which forms the densities has what we call color. And this color is divided into seven categories of color. Can you tell me, is there is a reason or an explanation for these categories of color? Can you tell me something about that? Ra, I am Ra. This will be the last complete question of this session as this instrument is low on vital energy. We will answer briefly and then you may question further in consequent sessions. The nature of the vibratory patterns of your universe is dependent upon the configurations placed upon the original material or light by the focus or love using its intelligent energy to create a certain pattern of illusions or densities in order to satisfy its own intelligent estimate of a method of knowing itself. Okay, I'm going to stop there and rewind that so you can hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll talk about it. All right. So I let that play. And I'm sure that he just rattled that off so fast that most of you are going to go, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. what did he just say? So let me back this up and we'll let him play this out again. Okay. All color. And this color is divided into seven categories of color. Can you tell me, is there is a reason or an explanation for these categories of color? Can you tell me something about that? Ra, I am Ra. This will be the last complete question of this session as this instrument is low on vital energy. We will answer briefly and then you may question further in consequent sessions. This is another one of those, we'll answer in briefly, right? Being very brief. And then he pours more information on you in a very short period of time than I just did in the last 20 minutes of me speaking. Okay, let's continue. The nature of the vibratory patterns of your universe is dependent upon the configuration. Notice that he says the nature of your vibratory patterns of your universe. I'm going to back that up again. Notice that he just said that. That's actually very important. Why? 
because where does raw exist that is not in our universe then? Raw is in the fourth dimension. Isn't the fourth dimension part of the third dimension or the third dimension a part of the fourth dimension? Aren't we just in the same place, just slightly out of phase? So why is it that Raw just said that? Let's continue. I backed it up a little bit. All color, and this color is divided into seven categories of color. Can you tell me, is there is a reason or an explanation for these categories of color? Can you tell me something about that? Raw, I am Raw. This will be the last complete question of this session as this instrument is low on vital energy. We will answer briefly and then you may question further in consequent sessions. The nature of the vibratory patterns of your universe is dependent upon the configurations placed upon the original material or light by the focus or love using its intelligent energy to create a certain pattern of illusions or densities in order to satisfy its own intelligent estimate of a method of knowing itself. Okay. So literally... Literally, let me play that one more time and then I'll and then we'll talk about it. Literally, this illusion is based on the recreation or the creation, original creative energy, okay, is based on what we needed, wanted for this place as our reality, so that we could then do what it is that we're here to do become conscious and and literally uh, uh, go through this progression let's play it one more time let me back it up a little bit again we'll play it one more time listen to the, the words again all color and this color is divided into seven categories of color can you tell me is there is a reason or an explanation for these categories of color can you tell me something about that raw i am raw this will be the last complete question of this session as this instrument is low on vibe. Because he says a ton right here, and then we'll then we'll talk about it, right? And Anna says, I am smiling. Yeah, right? Here we go. Energy. We will answer briefly, and then you may question further in consequent sessions. The nature of the vibratory patterns of your universe is dependent upon the configurations placed upon the original material or light by the focus or love using its intelligent energy to create a certain pattern of illusions or densities in order to satisfy its own intelligent estimate of a method of knowing itself. Okay. So to create it an illusion or density, it's illusions or densities. So every density is an illusion. Okay. And all of that was done so that I'm backing it up again. Listen again, yeah. And then, and then, like I said, if you guys have any questions, ask. But this is the secret to the universe. This is why I prefaced all of this with talking about energy, frequency, vibration, and uh, this, this, what we think is reality, which is an illusion. Okay. All of the light spectrum is designed so that there is a perfect harmonic balance to create this illusion, right? To create this illusion the way that it is created, the way we wanted it to be created so that it will play out and be specifically what we need it to be because it is not just the third dimension that is created, but all dimensions created and all dimensions have to be separate in energy, frequency, vibration. So therefore, if something has an energy, a frequency and a vibration, it has to have a color, a sound, and a wavelength to separate them. And then they have to overlap because they have to be perfect. 
So the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chakras all coincide with an energy, a frequency, and a vibration that is a color. All of those colors are the colors of the rainbow. All of those stack on top of one another in the specific order that they are in our chakras, in the universe itself, in the realities themselves. Everything is stacked exactly. So if you look up and the sun is shining, the light is reflecting through water in the sky from the rain, you will always, no matter where you are on this earth, you will always see the rainbow of colors exactly in that order. Why is that? Because that is the order of the universe. And the stacking of all of the realities, illusions, on top of one another and their vibratory patterns and everything in between. The resonance of that. We have light waves. We have light waves. Red ray light rays. Purple ray light rays. Blue ray light rays. Those are vibrating at a certain level. And they are in exact order. Starting with red and ending with purple above it. Okay, and in between red, orange, yellow, uh, green, blue, uh, uh, violet, purple, always in that order. And that is the order from beginning to the the oneness of your uh, uh, consciousness lifting up out of the lower uh, three chakras, which is the physical and going into the higher vibratory chakras. And then they reoccur again, but with a slightly different color, but they reoccur. And I show you that where there's, they're out there on the internet, you can look them up. And then they, they keep on going up to 22, 23, 24 and beyond that. And they also go below. They also, that's all internal, external. But if you look at the colors in the order that they are, those of us who understand progression, it's not going to ever repeat. Red is never going to be base red, ray root red. It's now going to be a combination of red, yellow, orange, red, yellow, orange, red, yellow, orange for the next three levels. So you're going to go three through three through seven, and then it's going to restart. And what's going to happen is you're going to have another red color. It's not going to be red like the first one down at the lowest level. It's going to be red plus another color as it's blending. And those also shift upwards in the exact same order and then reoccur again. Hence the enigma of uh, of 24. Okay, so it reoccurs at 12. It goes 369, 12. Right? Do you see? And then 12 and 12 is 24. And and so what happens is each really large section, zero through back to the to the source, zero through 12, or one you know one through 12, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, and then it goes. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, right? Uh, all the way to 24, then again and again and again and again in the universe. So uh, if you don't know the enigma of 24, which I've posted, that'll drive you crazy just trying to figure it out. You probably don't understand what I'm saying now. So let me back it up one more time and let Ross say it again, okay? So think about everything I've said so far since the show began today, uh, including the politics, the battle in third dimension, Think about all that. Bring it up into your mind. I just did by saying it. Pull it all up into your conscious now and then listen. As love then creates by this process of vibration a photon, as we call it, which is the basic particle of light. This photon then, by added vibrations and rotations, further condenses into particles of the densities, the various densities that we experience. Is this correct? Ra, I am Ra. This is correct. 27.17 questioner. Now, 
This then light which forms the densities has what we call color, and this color is divided into seven categories of color. Can you tell me, is there is a reason or an explanation for these categories of color? Can you tell me something about that? Ra, I am Ra. This will be the last complete question of this session as this instrument is low on vital energy. We will answer briefly and then you may question further in consequent sessions. The nature of the vibratory patterns of your universe is... <laughs> Anna says you can say it quicker than I can type, right? <laughs> you can say it quicker than I can type it. Thank you. So so happy for that uh, someone gets it, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Jacqueline, welcome. Jacqueline, wait till you hear this, right? She's going to love this part. Um, I don't know if you were here when I played it the first three times, but I'm playing it again. So uh, literally, I don't know if you heard what uh, Ra just asked. He was talking about uh, energy, frequency, vibration. Ra was asking, or Dawn was asking Ra. Let me back it up just a little bit so you can hear the question again. Uh, and then listen to Ra's answer. And this is what I'm talking about. Uh, hi, by the way. Jacqueline Taylor's here right now. And tomorrow I'm going to be on her show. We're going to be talking along with a bunch of other people Again, doing a uh, quick commercial, right? Because Jacqueline's here. Um, I did a commercial in the beginning, and then we'll do it again. I'll do it right at the end before I get off of here. But we're going to be on her show uh, tomorrow. So you guys might want to tune in at noon West Coast America time, GMT minus 7, UK minus 8. Uh, and we're going to be on uh, Prodnet, Project Oneness Light. Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> on uh, YouTube and on Facebook on Izzy Kelly's show. So Jacqueline, listen to this. You'll love this, though, how quickly Raw just runs through this. Listen to this question by Dawn and listen to Raw. And I've just spent 20 minutes explaining it and playing it over and over because I, you'll see why when you hear it, you'll laugh. All right, here we go. Raw. I am Raw. This is correct. 27.17 questioner. Now, this then light which forms the densities has what we call color, and this color is divided into seven categories of color. Can you tell me, is there is a reason or an explanation for these categories of color? Can you tell me something about that? Ra, I am Ra. This will be the last complete question of this session as this instrument is low on vital energy. We will answer briefly and then you may question further in consequent sessions. The nature of the vibratory patterns of your universe is dependent upon the configurations placed upon the original material or light by the focus or love using its intelligent energy to create a certain pattern of illusions or densities in order to satisfy its own intelligent estimate of a method of knowing itself. Okay. So literally, this entire endeavor that is happening in the multiverse, whatever you want to call that, is literally the creator of the universe utilizing its own energy to create all of these vibratory patterns that are the densities, illusions, that go from zero to infinity so that it can then create this universe by doing so and creating all of the multi-layers of this universe and all the multi-levels of this universe for the explicit purpose of becoming in this place and everything that that entails. And Jacqueline says, is it us? Yes, right? <laughs> so literally all of this, everything that creating us, creating this illusion, creating everything, all of it. Although what is the purpose of it? The purpose of all of this creation was so that the creator of the universe could then become self-aware in it. And in doing so, becoming self-aware and in doing so, bettering itself and expanding itself infinitely. 
and all of us on a micro level, microcosm to the macrocosm, we are doing the same thing. Everything is doing that scenario on every level all at once. So literally, imagine this, if you will. The entire creation, the creator of the universe is one cell. And that cell is dividing into another cell. And that cell is dividing into another cell. And that cell is inviting. And each one is doing that. It's dividing. It's going splitting. Two, four, eight, 16, 32, 48. Okay. Does that sound familiar to you? If you know anything about sacred geometry, it should. And we're playing out in that scenario by doing the exact same thing on a micro level to the macro level. So it's literally life happening and we are it on all levels at the exact same time and all life is doing the exact same thing exponentially dividing over and over and over and over and becoming a larger and larger and then eventually becoming sentient and then eventually going through that process and becoming something and then becoming energy frequency vibration from the lowest beginning all the way back to the one creator all at once. So when does that stop? So when you go back to the creator, what is the creator? Is the creator this big, giant life form energy that's in the universe? Or is it one single individual cell? Or is it one subatomic particle, which is another individual cell on a very small level? Or is it all of that all at once? That'll blow your mind just trying to get to that around your head or get, get your head around that in and of itself. That's literally one more time. I'm not going to do all of it. I know you guys are like, oh my God, I wish you get past this. This, you don't realize how important this is. This right here is the secret to the universe. Summed up in this short paragraph. All color. And this color is divided into seven categories of color. Can you tell me, is there is a reason or an explanation for these categories of color? Can you tell me something about that? Ra, I am Ra. This will be the last complete question of this session as this instrument is low on vital energy. We will answer briefly and then you may question further in consequent sessions. The nature of the vibratory patterns of your universe is dependent upon the configurations placed upon the original material or light by the focus or love using its intelligent energy to create a certain pattern of illusions or densities in order to satisfy its own intelligent estimate of a method of knowing itself. Thus the colors, as you call them, are as straight, or narrow, or necessary as is possible to express, given the will of love. There is further information which we shall be happy to share by answering your questions. However, we do not wish to deplete this instrument. Is there a short query necessary before we leave? 27.18 Questioner, the only thing I need to know is, is there is anything we can do to make the instrument more comfortable or help her or the contact? Ra, I am Ra. This instrument is slightly uncomfortable. Perhaps a simpler configuration of the body would be appropriate given the instrument's improving physical complex condition. I am RHA. You are conscientious in your endeavors. We shall be with you. We leave you now in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. Rejoice, therefore, in the power and the peace of the one infinite creator. Adonai.
So obviously I left on the last raw. Apparently I put the H in the wrong place when I was in a hurry. <laughs> I am R-H-A. I did that one other time too, didn't I? A couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oops, left one off, uh, hit it wrong. Didn't realize it when I was editing it. Okay. So literally that is the secret to the universe right there and love itself because all of that is love. The universe was created with love. You cannot create with hate. You can only control and destroy with hate. So the creation is in the heart. It's in love. And that's the only place that you can create. Sorry, I got something stuck out of my shirt here. I'm trying to figure out what that was. I don't know if it's part of my shirt and I'm tearing my shirt apart or if there's something on it. <laughs> Listen, I felt something. I was like, what is this? Did I spill something on my shirt and not be aware of it? I think I did and I wasn't aware of it. Uh, so it didn't tear my shirt when I took it off. So whatever it was, it was attached. So literally, that's the secret to the universe right there in a nutshell. It's actually describing the entire universe to you and the function of it. So going back to uh, uh, you know the, the question, I remember... The first time I heard someone ask the question was to Eckhart Tolle. And I think that's how he says his last name. Um, and he said, they asked, what is the function of the third dimension? What is its function? And he said, the third dimension's function is, is uh, here so that the God is becoming aware of itself in this place. Well, I say to you to further that, listen to what Ra just said there. The entire universe itself, sorry, I'm, I touched my shirt and now I touched my eye and I got cat hair in my face because apparently I have cat hair on my shirt and I didn't notice it until I touched it. Either that or cat dandruff. I love my cat, but I'm allergic to cats. I still keep cats anyways. I just deal with it. So now I've touched my eye and got a piece of hair in it and now I have an allergic reaction to the, to the cat hair um, and the cat dandruff that I have in my eyes. So literally the entire existence of the universe itself, its function is for, literally, this is what Ra just said, its function is, that its distortion is so that the creator can become self-aware in this place. So the place was created, and then there was nothing in it. Do you know, you know, people say God created the earth and the earth was void. This is a very simple third dimensional. Uh, it comes from the Muslim uh, Bible, the way they tell it. God created the earth and the earth was void. So then God created the mountains and the streams and the lakes and the rivers and the sky. And then the animals and the plants. And then God created the human race. Okay. In that order is how it's told to us. Well, in, if you read any scrolls, including the Dead Sea Scrolls and all the scrolls from any race on the earth, there's a lot of things that are very similar, more than people realize, not more than people realize than are not. There are more things that are similar in all the creation stories from around the world than there are that are dissimilar. Okay. The things that are dissimilar are semantical things procedural things or the names of deities. But the theme of all creation stories and myths that they call myths, they don't call anything the truth, by the way. None of it. None of it. Doesn't matter. The, 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 the scrolls that are religious, the secular uh, 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 people in charge call all of that 
myth. None of it is fact in their minds. That's what they they did. None of it. The Hebrew religion, myth. Every religion on the face of the earth is a myth. They don't believe that they're real. They say they were invented by people because they can't prove or disprove them. And they don't want you to know about them. So they have to tell you that they're not real. Okay. So in every scroll, their one thing that's the same theme is that all of this was created by a creator. All of this was created by a creator. And then you have differences of opinion when it comes to arrogance. It was created for us. It's all created for us. Those were the parts that were written by people. Okay. All of this was created and there was nothing in it. So then the creator put stuff in it. And then there was no one to see it. So then the creator had to create someone to see it. All of this is actually happening in the mind of the creator. Okay. So all of this is a daydream in the mind of the creator. So then the creator thought up people, thought up things first, and then wanted them to become as the creator is. So the imagination of the creator created the scenario that the creator imagined would create physical creation. And that literally is what's happening here. And to insert sentient life forms into this, the creator inserted itself so that it could know how it came to be so that it could experience how it came to be. So this was created from the original energy of the original creator. And all of it was created all at once. And then all of it was given life and then given free will to then co-create. Once you become self-aware, you then are a co-creator. Even before that, when you are not, you are instinctively co-creating without being aware of it. Okay? And so all of this is the perfect dance, the perfect game, the perfect illusions on all levels that were put, that were set down to give this entire scenario life. And then to become self-aware in it. So... The purpose of the third dimension or every dimension all at once on every level from nothingness to the creator is to become. Is to become. And you start with not knowing. You're veiled. Then you become self-aware. Second dimension. Once you become self-aware, you go to the third dimension, the first place that you are self-aware, that you know you are more than just the physical body. You're not sure, but you know that I think, therefore, I am. That goes back 5,000 years on this earth that we're aware of. And then from there, you start becoming a what? A thinker, right? Or a doer in the place of doing. Here you do all these things. It coincides with the vibratory pattern of all of the chakras, which coincides with the vibratory pattern of light, which coincides with the vibratory pattern of, of energy, 
frequency, and vibration. Totality as one. So you literally are going through the progression as a person that your cells went through from your mother's egg and your father's sperm. And from that moment, that spark of life is the pneuma, the breath of God. And that cell divides and then exponentially divides. And then it becomes another cell. And that's those two cells do the same process. Then they become four cells and then eight and then 16 and then 32 and 128. And they keep going until they make your finger and your hand and your arm and every bit of your brain and your body and all of your organs. And the same thing is for these glasses that I'm holding up for my cell phone. It all starts out as a single cell organism, which on another subatomic level is a subatomic particle, a single particle singularity. And then it splits and it divides and it divides and it divides until it becomes something else. And then it divides and then it divides and then it divides until it becomes something else. Do you see the repetition here? It's the same repetition over and over and over from the smallest molecule subatomic particle. The exact same thing happens to that subatomic particle that happens to a single-celled organism that happens to a multi-celled organism. And then when you are a human, if you're a female, you have a single-cell organism in your body called an egg. And then the, the, uh, the, your mate or the sperm that is used is another single-celled organism who's driven to go in and blend its DNA with the DNA of this other single cell organism. And then what happens there? The spark of life. And then it starts the chain reaction all over again. Now, the Big Bang Theory is what? Nothingness and then a spark of life and then an exponential uh, explosion of energy in an outward motion, constantly renewing itself and becoming over and over and over and over again. So on a cellular level, a microscopic level, a cellular level, and then on a, on a level of the universal, uh, entire universe itself, the creation of the universe is one single event that has a spark of life that happens that starts a chain reaction of division, of multiplication, exponentially moving outward from the center focal point of the creation that is becoming something larger, and then it returns back to nothingness and dies. Does this sound familiar? It's literally what's happening on every level that we're aware of as science and scientists from the subatomic particle all the way to the universe itself. Never changing always changing, never the same, never, never, nothing, but nothing and everything all at once. Does that sound familiar? Zero and nine. Nine is both zero and nothingness and everything. God says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning, the end, the end. I am nothingness and I am everything. Three, six, and nine, the universe itself, the God particle, Everything is the same. Okay. Right. Right. Tamara saying it, or is that Tamara is saying it, right? Cells. Yeah. Keep, keep a hole. And then it says three, six, nine cells love the uh, interstellar. Right. So you literally the verse dance, you literally 
literally on a microscopic scale to the macrocosm, microcosm to the macrocosm, microscopic to the macroscopic, literally within you, literally what you are, literally the building blocks that became you and everything that you will ever become is on a cycle of 24s. And it's on a cycle that is exponential and that it starts over and that it continues and that it never ends. Energy never dies. It just changes form. Okay. So life never dies. It just changes form. You become and then you become again. You become something new. Okay. I just put out a, a reel the other day, last night, night before that shows the, all the autumn leaves in their different colors that are out there now, if you're in the Northern hemisphere of the planet and uh, literally showing you to where they're, you know, yellow and orange, uh, which was called burnt leaves back in the day um, from the dog days of summer, burning the leaves. Um, and then, uh, so as they're turning colors going into fall, I literally have the, uh, that picture. And then I literally say the, the world changes second from by second. It's okay for you to change because you are. I don't have that part on there, but because you are changing, you are never the same. No matter how much you think you're not changing, you are never the same because you are in motion. You are alive. So even if you're hiding in your house and never doing anything, you're still learning because that you, you cannot not learn. Okay, so if you're on uh, social media of any kind, you're being exposed to other things happening around you. You're reading, you're seeing, you're talking to people. Every bit of that, me telling you what I'm telling you now is changing all of you and myself forever. I am not the same person that I was starting the show an hour and what are we at? An hour and, and, and 58 minutes ago. I am completely different than I was then, yet I am the same. Do you see? So we are forever changing in minute ways. The pebble falls in the pond and the shock wave goes out and all of the water is touched by that one drop or the pebble in the water. So all of the water exponentially is changed because the introduction of something changing. Do you see? And then it changes everyone that it touches. So the sound of my voice my message, what you're thinking, what you're doing, all of the vibration that you are as you change for the better changes everyone around you that changes everyone around them that changes the entire structure of the earth. This is why they fight against you doing this. This is why they, the 1% of people who are evil, who think they own this planet, can't have you learning knowledge. They can have you learning knowledge, but only the knowledge they want you to learn so that you never learn this knowledge. Because this knowledge surpasses them. And they can't have you do that because then you stop listening to them. The second you are no longer a child and you become an adult, you stop listening to other adults or you, you know, in a way, you then take what they say in advisement but you stop doing what other people tell you to do. You can't wait to become an adult when you're a kid. So you don't have to do what your parents say, but then you find yourself doing the same things because of what they taught you. And then you find yourself when you have children of your own 
going, oh, my God, I sound like my dad. Oh, my God, I sound like my mom. If they were good parents, you're okay with that and you laugh about it. If they were bad parents, you go, wait a minute, am I a bad parent? If you're actually starting to take uh, yourself a, a, a look at yourself, am I becoming my father? Am I becoming my mother? Oh, no, I better change that. Then you can break that cycle of negativity. But if your parents said something to you and they said, "You, I know you don't understand this yet, but when you get older and you have kids of your own, you're going to understand it. And you're like, yeah, right, not, never. And then when you have kids and all of a sudden you're like, you need to go and brush your teeth. No, you need to use soap in the shower. All the things that you couldn't stand your parents were telling you. Now you know why your parents were telling you that. Okay. So now you're doing it to your kids. Well, that's paying it forward in a positive way. But if your parents were abusive and beat you and, and, uh, and, you know, and didn't feed you or whatever and treat you like crap, if you treat your kids that way, they're just going to become you. If you learn, oh, no, that I'm not going to be like my father who used to beat everybody up. I'm going to be the opposite. Then if you go to the extreme, then you do just as much harm to your child because then they're spoiled, rotten, and, and they get away with everything because nobody ever did anything to stop them from doing anything. And then they're abusive to other people. And you're like, oh, no, I was a lousy parent when I was trying to not be like my father. And then I made things worse. You have to realize and become the adult and realize I don't want to be the extremes. I want to be somewhere down the middle to where I'm not uh, not harming them, but giving them the tools they need to, to survive and to make it. Well, the problem is that you're living in a place where the 1% who are evil are in control of everything and they don't want you doing that. They like it this way. They like you being their slave. So here in this place, they propagate you not knowing that all money filters to them. They propagate that all control goes to them. They will tell you they own this place because they believe they do. Because they don't believe you're smart enough or have the ability to stop them. Because you don't until you do. Okay? And when you do, they don't want you telling anyone about it. Because they can't have the slaves waking up and saying, we're not your slaves. Can't have that. Okay? That's why right now they're trying to get the Third World War started with for every bit of strength they have in them. They're trying to start ratchet things up into a third world war as fast as they possibly can and trying to do it and get away with it so they can kill off as many people as they can. Trust me. You think, oh, they're not doing that. They wouldn't do that. Yes, they would. And they are right now. They're trying to do that. You have to stop them from doing that. You have to go when the kids can't, when they're in the pool and everybody's arguing and fighting you as the adult, you're obligated to go, that's it, everybody out of the pool. Everybody sit down and shut up for 30 minutes, and then maybe we'll let you back in the pool. If you don't do that, they're going to be fighting and destroying themselves in the pool in the process. Okay? So it takes adults. And if you don't, well, I can't do anything. You can't do anything. They've always owned everything. That's their programming. They have you believing that they have always owned everything. They're going to always own everything. Therefore, you can't. I'm not going to vote because it never changes anything. I'm not going to do any of that. Well, the only way that you're going to change something is that you have to have power. So you have to vote, right? Well, if that people that are all the only people that are running are evil people. Yeah. That's because you're allowing them to, you're perpetuating it. Right. And then you believe them. The way to success in controlling these governments around the world is to put them on term limits. You can become the president of the United States, but you can only do it in four year increments and you can only do it twice and then you can't do it anymore. But there's other uh, people in the government that get elected 
and they can stay in those positions and get reelected over and over and over and over and over and over, like the president of the United States, current one, who's been in politics for more than 50 years. He doesn't remember how long he's been in politics. That's how long he's been in politics. Not because he's been in politics so long, but he's so old that his mind is slipping away and he doesn't know that he's been in politics for 50 years. Okay. They do that because they're evil and show me a poor politician. And I'll show you somebody who hasn't been in politics for 50 years. Or I'll show you someone who's in service to others, not in service to self. Evil people seek power because they can keep it. And they get into power and then they get paid money by people to vote a certain way. And you don't know about it until you do. The truth is they all know about it. They all know that special interest groups uh, and and what or here in this country, what we call lobbyists, pay you money to vote a certain way. They all get rich by taking money to line the pockets of someone else who's trying to get rich. That's how they make their money. This is not a lie. This is true. And if you don't believe it, start talking that we want to have term limits to where nobody in any governmental system, starting at the city level to the county level to the state level in the United States of America or whatever country you're in, if you have a vote and say you want to start having term limits and watch how quickly they tell you nothing will get done like like something gets done now. Nothing gets done now in any parliamental system anywhere in the government unless they get paid for it. They can't pass a budget anywhere on the planet until it comes down to the very last second. And then they push it down the, the, the way as long as they can. And then they finally pass a budget that they all agree on. They pretend they're fighting over it. But each time they do it, they increase the budget and tax you more money. Why? Because they get paid to do that. Okay. So you want things to actually get done. Start talking about term limits and how, how quickly they tell you to shut up. Because you're a threat to democracy. Because it's not going to work. The whole government will shut down if we only have, if everybody's in for four years and they can never come back. How are we going to ever get anything done? Because you'll have four fucking years to do it in and you'll be in a hurry. And only those people who are in service to others will then gravitate towards positions in governments because they're not going to benefit for the rest of their life off of that four years that they're in there unless they change the laws and say, okay, so a lobbyist now has to pay me $100 $100 million for my vote so that they make $100 million as quickly as they can. That's the only way they'll be able to change things because you're changing it on them so that they can be profitable in a four-year time period, a four-year stint, okay? So, and then you have all these other organizations within governments that are not elected and those people get in there forever. That needs to change. CIA, NSA, all of that shit. Doesn't matter. Governmental systems, military systems. You can't join the military and be in the military for uh, 45, 50 fucking years unless you're, unless you're guaranteed to only get paid a certain amount of money. Well, they're, so the only money that the government gets, like the president only gets $300,000 a year, that's what he gets paid by the government to be the president. That's not what he gets paid by all of the uh, special interest groups to, to vote a certain way. Okay. See, that's the stuff that you, need to, you guys need to, to rethink. That's how you gain back control is you have to start limiting their power. Watch how quickly they'll come after you because you're, you're trying to ruin democracy. When they say that, that means they're trying, you're trying to take away my power and control over you. Okay. So what does this have to do with the law of one? It is what raw is telling you is the modus operandi of the Orion crusaders, the evil people who came here. They are the ones when they showed up, 
was when the Anunnaki showed up holding your pineal gland in their hand, controlling it, holding the little bag, which is the information of how to create this system. And from that day until this, you have been stuck in this system as a perpetual slave. And this is what Raw is trying to warn you about. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was warning you about the same thing. Mohammed, 1,600 years ago, was warning you about the same thing. Moses, 5,000 years ago, was warning you about the same thing. Okay? These people have been doing it from the beginning, and they believe they own this place, and their business as usual. As you start waking up, you think you're going crazy because all of a sudden you start going, oh, my God, uh, there's all these people on the news have just been lying. They're just blatant. They used to hide it before. No, you didn't see it before. They've never hidden it. I've been talking like this since I was 13 years old, and people thought I was insane until they don't. There are most of the people on this planet still think I'm crazy from the things that I say now. I haven't changed that. I have been saying the same thing since I was like 13 years of age when I started talking to the world. I started going, you do realize that none of them care whether you live or die. They just need your money and your vote, right? To keep their power. You, you realize that? I never voted in any election because I agreed to, with, uh, you can't do anything about it. You can't change it. Until I started learning more about that system itself. And then I realized you have to, you have, to have that say. Because the only way that you can fix it is you, well, we can't change it now. Yes, you can. But you can't change the entire system overnight. You have to control the people at the bottom level and let them know that you're in, that change it there where it's easier. Right now, you have to have the mass majority of the, of the population of your country to change the governmental system. But if you change it on a city to city level, county to county level, whatever you call that in your country, and then move up to the state or province, whatever you call that in your country, and change those levels on the way up and keep those changed and don't let them change back, that is going to, to, to eventually change because all those old people are going to die off and only people that are going to want to keep power are going to try and stay in those positions. And then the new ones are going to try and come from outside the system, not from within the system, because being in the system, you're, you're telling them, no, 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 no. You don't have those. You can only have terms this long, and you have, but you have to start uh, at a grassroots level. That's how everything gets done. I know it doesn't happen. Sure it does. Budweiser made the mistake of going woke and the people around the world, Bud Light anyways, the people around the world stopped buying that product. How many times has that happened to other products on this earth when people stood up and said, I'm not buying your shit anymore? Companies make changes when you do that. Why? If they if they fully owned you and you were their slaves, they would have just said, shut up and buy my product. But they can't, can they? Because you still have free will. They just don't let you know you have that. Okay. So literally you have to realize that. Okay. I'm trying to read what you guys are saying in the, <laughs> in the chat, right? So literally you have to realize, you have to realize that if you don't realize that, then nothing's going to change. Honestly, the religion of evil is literally the religion of evil is literally all of that and all that knowledge, right? Tamara says, stop now, program now, please now. I'm not quite sure what you're saying there, right? So uh, so literally, unless you're, unless Tamara, you're trying to say that it's, that it's me, that, I, that it's not. And that's the case. I apologize to you because it's not me, okay? 
It's not me. It's literally what's happening here. And this is what Ross trying to tell you. And this is what everyone in history has been trying to tell you. What's happening here is that this place is stuck, right? Yeah, evil equals, yeah, it's the opposite. If you look at that, truly mirror image, right? I love that, what you're saying there. It literally said evil equals live because if you look at evil, right? Uh, evil is E-V-I-L, life is L-I-V-E. So literally they are the, uh, the mirror image of each other. That's why most of my reels show you that angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder and good and evil they're literally the yin and the yang that's why they showed you that in that in that yin and yang is literally they're the opposites of each other but they are the same one is darkness one is light one is good one is bad and and the truth is the truth is you can't have one without the other but you have to be aware of the whole because that's part of the progression of where you're supposed to go and how you're supposed to uh to, uh, to progress is you're supposed to become self-aware. That's the first step. That's being in the third dimension in the red ray chakra. So that's the, the very first place for a baby soul. I think, therefore I am. You're self-aware. Then you're supposed to learn to do things. And by doing things, you learn the lessons of good and evil. Oh, Adam and Eve, they learned the knowledge of good and evil. And that was what was bad. No, no. That's not what that story was about. That was how it was per perverted and corrupted. Okay. You learn the knowledge of good and evil by living in this place. Everyone in this place learns and it had nothing to do with it. it didn't happen before Eve bit the fruit. It wasn't like it didn't happen and then Eve bit the fruit and then all of a sudden it did happen. It was already happening. Eating of the uh, fruit of the tree of life is another entire discussion that has to do with living in the flesh, living in the third dimension. You're eating of the tree of life, living in the spiritual. You're not eating of the tree of life. You're becoming the tree of life. You're becoming the light. That is why the Christos becoming the light of the world. So then you're becoming the light. So you're supposed to, the progression is, I think therefore I am nothingness. I think therefore I am. I'm a baby soul. And then you're supposed to learn what it means to live and exist and learn from that to overcome it. And so you overcome the flesh and become the spirit because you're supposed to transition from this physical plane into the spiritual plane and transmit and transmute into that place as you move up in vibration. So good and evil is life in the third dimension. So I like what you said there, uh, Tamara, when you said that, because literally uh, evil is good and good is evil. You can't have light without dark. You can't have front without back. You can't have light left without right. Not in the third dimension. The third dimension is the place of dimension. So you have to have these things, and it's and it happens here. You're supposed to learn that evil is doing these bad things and good is doing these other things. And you're supposed to learn to choose between one of those and become that. If you want to just become evil, do it, right? There's no wrong. That's what scares people uh, in, in the world is that all the people that are trying to do good don't want me to say that there is no right and wrong, but there is no right and wrong. It's just a matter of uh, all, all serves the all. So if you're evil and you rape and pillage and murder and do those things, you're going to show what is the thing not to do to the people who are going to go, don't be like that. You can't know life without death. You can't know goodness without evil. You can't truly know what it means to exist without non-existence. You can't know what it means to be alive without death. But you can't know what death is without life. You can't know what, what goodness is without evil. Do you see? So you're supposed to learn that and move above those two things and realize that 
And that's when you're in the fourth uh, dimension, fourth density, when you start looking at things and realize that this is just a dance. It's a perfect, perfect thing that was created by the creator and that you're supposed to rise above it. Have you heard that term? You're supposed to rise above it and then move on in your development and become the adult, not the child stuck in one of those two uh, extremes. If you're stuck in one of those two extremes and think there's a war between those, then nothing will ever get done and you'll never be able to, to fix yourself, let alone the rest of the, of the place. Okay? You're not supposed to fight the war and, and arrest all evil people and put an end to evil. Because if you did that, nobody in the next generation would know what you know. And they wouldn't learn that. Well, they shouldn't have to know that. Yeah, they have to. Because then they don't know what life is and they don't know what strife is. They don't know what love is if you don't know what hate is. You don't know what, what laughter is if you don't know what sadness is. You can't know love without loss. So you have to have all that's perfect. It has to be this way. Your job is to learn that and move into that place where you realize how beautiful that this entire dance is. And that really scares the people that are stuck in it because how dare you say evil is okay. Those people are stuck in believing that there's a war and that ultimately evil will be destroyed by good at some point. We just have to wait because our God is going to come back and get us. Wait here long enough. How's that working out? That story has been being told to you for 5,000 years. Where's your God to come back? Oh, I, blasphemy. Blaspheme. Don't you blaspheme in here. Jesus is going to return. Show me the part of the New Testament where it said, to where Jesus said he'll be back. I'm a minister. I've been a minister for over 35 years. Show me the place in the Bible that says he's coming back. Well, God said, oh, different person now. Oh, blasphemy. If you're a Christian. Jesus is God. No, Jesus was the voice of God. Okay, that's the, the Trinity that they put together. It was not put together because of that. It was put together a different way, and it was perverted into saying Jesus is, in fact, God, because the Father of the... And originally, it was the mother of the Father of the Son, Trinity. And then when they were usurping the woman out of the equation, it became Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, originally. And then Ghost became a scary thing, so it had to be called Spirit. So show me the place in the Bible that says that. God says, Jesus told you that God said, I will come as a thief in the night. That's in the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is about balancing your chakras and telling you how to get out of here. Your, your awakingness moment comes to you like a thief in the night. One moment you are asleep and trying to wake up. The next moment you are awake. That is saying that God will come to you like a thief in the night. That is what that means. It doesn't mean you don't know when, so be good for goodness sake. The story of Santa Claus is that story being told for children. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus, okay, his name was Chris Kringle. Chris is a word that means Christopher, which means one who is like God. Kringle is an ancient Viking word for he who goes through the chimney. Okay. So the Christos, the Christ oil going down your spine and back up your spine through the claustrum becoming the claws. 
Santa Claus, Santa means, and the word Tanta means grandma in, in the Viking languages. The word Santa means grandfather. Abuelo, abuela, if you're uh, uh, of the Latin descent. Santa doesn't mean saint. Everyone thinks that means Saint Claus because of the Catholics trying to tell you that it, that's what that meant. Santa Clausa means, means old man wisdom. He who is the Christ who is becoming the light of the world. Chris Kringle means he who is like Christ going through the chimney, the claustrum. And when he goes through the claustrum, he becomes like God, the light of the world. So he's the old man time, father time. It is the resurrection, he who is becoming. So that's the story that was being taught to children as children to be good for goodness sake because Santa Claus is coming to town. And that is the same story of, of the Christ and the Christ oil. And then that was being told to you thousands of years ago to show you that the Christos, the Christ, the Christ oil is within you and that you are supposed to overcome and become. You're supposed to have the death and the resurrection, the dark night of the soul, as Jung said, and the, and the, do the shadow work. And then you become. So the Jesus said the, the way to the to heaven is through me. That's because Jesus was the light of the world. So he didn't mean when he said eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, he didn't mean cook my, my body and eat it and drink my blood. Not at all. He meant realize the flesh, who I am, listen to my words, and drink of my blood, my DNA, my literally what I am here to do and showing you and telling you. So it was literally the metaphor showing in a parable, telling you, follow what I'm saying to you and do as I say, and you will be able to, to free yourself. The revelation of the churches, I tell you this all the time, guys. Take the church, seven letters to the churches, seven letters, seven churches. Start with the very first letter of the very first church. Read the red ray chakra, base root red ray chakra, chakra of the, the first chakra. Find out what that means. Read about that. Then listen to the letter to the church. And guess what? It's telling you how to balance that chakra and what you need to do. And if you don't do that, then you're evil and you're living in the flesh. Each one of those letters to churches moving up are all of the chakras. And, and that is telling you, if you do all these things properly, you will balance yourself and you will then be able to ascend. That's what that is. Most of the stories in the Bible that are not nonsensical stories, and I'm not saying that most of them are nonsensical because they're not, but what you're getting from them is not, people not understanding what they mean. And so, therefore, there are most of the stories that are in the Old Testament are, are teaching you things because there wasn't a school like there is now that everybody was had to go to. No one went to school. So the, the churches were telling you stuff. Neither a lender or a borrower be. Why is that? They'll tell you the proverb of why that is. Because if you lend money to your friends, they're not going to pay it back, and then you're going to lose your friends. Don't go into business with your relatives because that, unless you know that you can uh, do that and not get into a fight, it'll ruin your business. Don't covet your neighbor's wife, meaning don't have sex uh, with your uh, neighbor's wife. All of those things. Don't murder people. The Ten Commandments are, are things for children who don't have an education that is the difference between right and wrong. Okay, so most of the stories in the Bible are not these what everybody thinks they are. They're stories to teach you how to be a good person and things to remind you of how to be a good person. And then beyond that, they're teaching you that you're supposed to be learning that you have an immortal soul and what you're supposed to do with that. Most of the books that said that outright were taken out of the Bibles. Why? Well, the people didn't understand them. Well, then why take them out? Well, I don't understand this, so we shouldn't let people read it. They might get the wrong idea because I don't know what it means. 
If that's the case, then all of those people who did that, every book they took out right now, if you have a mind, you should say, well, we should put all those fucking books back in. Just because that asshole didn't understand them doesn't mean we should have taken them out. We should have had people study them until we figured out what they meant. Don't you think? Well, then there must have been another reason why they took them out of the Bible then. Well, it's because they were all fake and they couldn't prove that they were ever written by anybody. Did you ever read them to see what they say? Well, then you're not supposed to understand them because it was told to that you don't get to know this knowledge and only certain people way in the future. When's that? When is that? So what you're saying is that 5,000 years ago, something was written down that was told 5,000 years ago that people way in the future, you know, like maybe 5,000 years from then now or nope, nope, not yet. Right. So where in the Bible does it say that people are going to understand that? And when is it acceptable for people on this earth to hear someone say, hey, I think I know what they're saying. You can't because the Bible says that it's supposed to be only for people in the future. When does that time come? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Right. All the information says I'll come like a thief in the night. All the information says what? If you do and if you're paying attention, let him who hath the understanding reckon the number of the beast. Let him who has the ears to hear. Let him who has the mind to know. Let him who has the eyes to see. So what they're saying is there's going to be somebody out there. Someone out there, if you have the ears to hear what I'm saying, you will know what I'm saying. Right. So so you have to assume that no one can ever know those things to think that it's not maybe now. Well, it doesn't say no one will ever know this. Doesn't say that it says you can't know this when it was written thousands of years ago. This is beyond your understanding, but people in the future will understand this. So. Because the future is now, you assume that something that was somebody foretold that was going to be in from the past, three to five thousand years ago, they said someone in the future that they're going to all get this. But they didn't leave a date, so they can't be now. It has to still be in the future. That's the, the whole purpose of what they're telling you. Just sit here and wait. You don't know what they're saying because you can't. It said that in the Bible. It said nobody's going to know it until way in the future. Well, what did they mean by way in the future? Did they mean 10,000 years? Did they mean a million years? Did they mean a billion years? If that's the case, nobody's getting out of here for another billion years. Do you see? So the people are telling you, you can't know it because the Bible doesn't say you can. No, the Bible says that those people that were alive at the time it was written couldn't know it. That people in the future could know it. We're in the future from when it was written. So why is it that we can't know it now? There's nothing in that book that says people in 2023 don't get to know this. There's people in the future that are going to know it, but not those guys in 2023. None of them. Further. Well, then why didn't they say that back then? They don't give you a time. But they give you clues. And they point blank say, if you have the understanding, you'll know this. If you have the mind to know this, you'll know this. If you have the eyes to see this, you'll see this. So they're telling you it's esoteric. This knowledge that we're writing down, 
you can know if you have the eyes to see it and the mind to know it and the ears to hear the words. So that's not saying no one can ever decipher this. What it's saying is that if you're paying attention, those are highlight marks without using a highlighter because they didn't have those back then. They're saying this is on the test. Here, pay attention to what's being said here. Let him who hath the understanding reckon the number of the beast. Well, who is that exactly? Well, that's somebody who understands what I'm saying here. Not only the people in the future, but we don't get to, we're not going to tell you when that is. They don't need to tell you when that is because the people in the future that understand it are going to know that they're supposed to understand it because they're going to understand it. And who are those people going to be? Let him who hath the understanding reckon. So that's going to be the person who realizes what they're saying right here and pays attention because they're saying, let him who hath the eyes to see and the mind to know and the ears to hear, pay attention to what I'm about to say to you. This is, in fact, important. Those are the people that are going to figure it out. It's not going to take some 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000. We don't know because it's going to be a thief in the night. We're going to be sleeping one night and some guy dressed in a costume with masks on his eye, on his his over his eyes in a little black fedora and a black and white striped outfit with gloves on is going to sneak in the window and go, ha ha, it was me the whole time. And then take it off and it's going to say God on my forehead. Ha ha, here I am. Blue, blue. Count Dracula, I want to suck your blood. That's not what's going to happen. That's the purpose of what they're saying to you, guys. So literally, it's there for you to understand. All you have to do is see and hear and know what they're saying in the words that were written thousands of years ago. And it says... In Revelations, and in almost every tome, dusty tome, there is a place in there where it says the same things. That those who have the mind to know and the ears to hear and the eyes to see will know this, what this means. If you, in Revelation says, let him who has the ears to hear know this. If you do these things, you will know what I'm saying. If you do not do these things, those are the letters to the churches. If you do not do this, you're going to have nothing but my wrath and wickedness, and you're going to be stuck living in the flesh and in the, in the body and stuck there forever. But if you do these specific things and practice this way of life, then you're going to know what I mean. Do you see? So it's literally in all of the Bibles because they're all based on the same stories. They're all based on the same scrolls. The one thing that is universal, even though the names of the of the people, there are certain things that are universal, and it's usually the same stories. Here's an example. Okay, if you read the uh, ancient scrolls, let's just look at uh, the Hermetica, right? The Corpus Hermeticum. If you read that, it talks about the destroyer of worlds. If you read uh, the Colbrin Bible which they claim that the first seven books were scrolls that came out of Egypt with Moses. He didn't have them, but the people that came with him, 
uh, priests that came out of Egypt brought scrolls with them. And the Scottish uh, priests found these guys when they came uh, looking at, for the people who came down. Look, we have these scrolls. They came out of Egypt. Can we copy those? Yeah, here, copy these. So they copied them and took them back to Scotland and they added them to their dusty old tome. So the first seven books called the Colburn Bible is stories about the destroyer of worlds. If you go to India, who didn't get their scrolls from Egypt, they talk about Shiva, the destroyer of worlds. Same theme here, some destroyer of worlds. Now let's go all the way over to the west of Europe and go all the way up to the north to the Vikings. And they have this character, this evil god called Sutur. Sutur and Sutur rising, the destroyer of worlds. Well, that's just the devil, bro. They got it over in the, the, the Hebrews and the Jews got it too. That's just the devil. Oh, wait, the Egyptians talked about Osiris, the god of the underworld. Those are completely different references. Because the same people in Egypt, not a different religion, talked about the destroyer of worlds. What is the who is the destroyer of worlds? Well, the destroyer of worlds had a name. They called that that destroyer of worlds Tiamat. Tiamat the dragon, dragon of the North Sea that Thor had to fight against. Fenrir the wolf, Ragnarok, end times, Kali Yuga. Wait, what? But wait, that's not a futuristic thing. That's actually something that happened in the past. Okay. If you read all of those books and you read the story of the destroyer of worlds, the destroyer of the worlds was not an alien. It's not a God. The destroyer of worlds was either a, one of our planetary bodies or a asteroid or a comet that flew too close to the earth and caused a cataclysm on this planet. Wait, we know about something like that that happened. A destroyer of worlds. There was a asteroid that we now know of crashed into the earth 75,000 years ago and wiped out the entire planet except for three small pockets of humans, because we've checked the DNA, in South, uh, in Africa and Madagascar, off the west coast of Africa, because they were up high enough, Australia and New Zealand, and up in the north where the Vikings were. 75,000 years ago, and that all life on this planet currently came from those three places moving out once again. Because I don't have any African DNA. So that out of Africa theory didn't work. It stopped working in 2012 when they started looking at it in Australia because they said, we have Aborigines down here that look just like Europeans, only they have dark skin. None of them look African. So they have to be different races. And then they started with their out of Australia theory by Stephen and Evan Strong, who I'm personal friends with, and I know them. We've talked about this in great detail. So they went and looked into this, and then the scientists started looking into it. And then they said, yeah, there's a whole entire group of people on the earth that don't have any African DNA. We call that people who have the RH negative factor or the negative factor in their DNA. That means no African DNA. So there's a whole group of people. So where did these people come from? Well, they must be all Vikings. Well, when you look at it, you realize that when they started doing that, they realized all life that's out there now either came from Africa or from Australia or from up in the north, what we call Vikings. And that all of them got together and, and uh, mixed in and blended in and they have all these different races. Okay. And people are all these different races in between.
That was 75,000 years ago. And all of the cultures that are still alive have a telling of a destroyer of worlds that they named. And some called it a goddess. Some called it a god. Some called it a, a, a they weren't sure. And they, some of them was God was mad at them and sent a demon to destroy children afraid of the dark. When you actually look at it and you read it from the standpoint of the knowledge that you can have now of everything that happened during that time and what the description was, including the parting of the Red Sea during that entire time. Moses, 5000 years ago, was another comet that came by. The science has actually proven that um, and, a, and a volcano that erupted uh, uh, due to that. So literally you have this destructor of worlds, this destroyer of worlds in all of these cultures around the earth. And it's all dates back to the same time period. And that just happens to coincide with a time before the flood, before the deluge. Okay. And that's literally, if you look at all the timelines from all of what they were all telling in all of these dusty old tomes from around the world that are supposed to be completely different religions that would never have the same knowledge. They all say, they tell the same story in a different way with a different name. The God that they call it is a different name. But they most of them refer to it as the destructor, the destroyer of worlds. Okay? So literally, if you just saw, uh, you know, the Oppenheimer, you saw that Oppenheimer said that because he was re he was repeating that from the from the Vedic, from the Hindu uh, Shiva. I have become the destroyer of worlds. I am the destroyer of worlds. So literally, that was their version of the same story of the destructor, the God who came to Earth and destroyed the Earth and tried to kill off all the population. And it's all if you look at their all their timelines, it's all the the timelines of ancient times before the flood all the way back. And then when you look at all that, then there's evidence of it on the earth. And the only time that the earth was devastated in that way is still shows on the earth when people look into it. And it was 75,000 years ago. And it was a meteor that struck the earth and caused the, the earth to, to shift and tremble. And that caused volcanoes to erupt all over the planet and sent the planet into darkness and then eventually sent it into an ice age. And, uh, and the last one that happened ended 10,000 years ago. This one was, was 75,000 years ago, roughly between 76 and 74,000 years ago. Okay. And there's a telling of it in all these ancient scrolls, but no one wants to admit that they all are like, yeah, they're talking about some God and some event and it's all made up. Weird that they're all telling the same stories with different names. So they, there's all these myths are based in some kind of truth. Okay. And I've studied religions my entire life. I literally do that in my off time. But they didn't do it today, but I literally was doing it all day yesterday, all day, the day before that, all day, the day before that. <laughs> today, I didn't do it. Today I was I was just messing around taking care of my mom and and doing mundane stuff, and getting ready for the show today to talk about this. But normally that's what my nerdy person does. That's what I do. Normally I'm reading scrolls over and over and over again, trying to interpret them, not looking and like most people. Oh, you want it to be there? No, no, I don't. I'm a scientist. I don't want something. You have to. It's the only way that you can prove something in science is try and disprove it as many times as you can until you exhaust all avenues. And then you look at what you have left and see if it's compelling. Right. I mean, if you if you just apply Occam's razor to everything, you immediately go, well, it's got to be this. Occam's razor says whatever that most obvious is usually is that that works in, in crimes of passion or crimes of, of the human race. 
normally what it looks like it is, it almost certainly is most of the time, if a wife gets murdered and the husband wasn't around, you might want to look at the husband first. If he starts acting a little bit shady or doesn't act like he's completely out of his fucking mind because his wife was murdered or acts a little too much, we think he protests too much, then you look at other people. You don't immediately assume it was the, that's the problem with Occam's razors. People just go, it was the husband. Had to be. Has to be because of Occam's razor. So if you're that narrow-minded then uh, with anything, then yeah, you're right. You're trying to prove it. You're, you're, it's got to be the uh, husband. I know it is. I'm not going to look at anybody else. I'm going to pin it on the husband. Well, then you're obviously never going to get anything right or you get right once, right? Scientists can't do that. Most of you don't know that to prove something in a scientific community, you have to try and first of all, you have to disprove it as often as you can until you can't. And then you have to clinically prove it more than 100 times in a row without fail before anyone else in the science community will even think about your scenario being legit. Okay, so most of you don't know that that's the process they go through because you don't want to have anything to do with science because it's boring. The truth is you have to prove something 108 times. Always without fail. If you fail once, it's back to the drawing board and you start over. Why did it fail? Then you have to figure out why it failed and you have to see if that disproves your entire theory because it failed. And then you have to do it over and over and over. That's what they call the, can you you redo this in a controlled environment and get the same success over and over? If you can do that, then they accept it as a thing. Then you win a Nobel Prize. Okay? So the truth is that an actual scientist doesn't believe anything is a thing until they can prove it hundred over 100 times in a row. So scientists are the most skeptical people. It slows down things and the process of things greatly. But it stops people from just saying, no, I proved it and this is the way it is. And then doing harm to themselves or other people or getting rich from something that doesn't actually work and you don't find out about it until you buy into it. That's why they do that. Okay. So, but most of you out there in the world don't know that that's how scientists think. I'm a scientist. Okay. When I've been chasing UFOs and aliens since I was a kid, right. Trying to, to open up people's eyes to that possibility. And I started ancient aliens worldwide on, on Facebook that has 300, more than 300,000 members worldwide. Now, one of the largest, it's the largest group, one of the largest of its kind on the on the planet. And the only reason that it got that big was because I wasn't trying to control everybody and everything, letting everybody organically uh, contribute unless we're contributing the same thing. Cause people go through a progression and they learn something for the first time. Everybody learns it for the first time. And then they all want to tell everybody about it. And then they go, how come my thing wasn't uh, put on your, on your page? Cause everybody wants to put that particular idea that you just learned when they discover it. So we get it like a hundred times a week from a hundred different people around the planet who discover it for the very first time. So we're trying to further things so you can do all the research that you want. And, but if you try to post something and it doesn't get posted and you ask why you're going to get told because everybody learns what you just learned. The same thing happens in spirituality. And, but we, we try to, in that case, we're not trying to further things because it's all individual. You can only achieve that individually. Okay, so we're not trying to do it for the for the, you know, to win a Nobel Prize and to prove it to the world so that I have something named after me, because you can't really, because every individual is in a different place in the spiritual. It's that way with science, too. But science is uh, mostly a profit 
based uh, thing because people who do it are usually not spiritually minded and therefore they're doing it for money purposes. And then the governments want to only have you do it for those purposes because they're trying to turn it into a weapon. They don't want you making anything. It doesn't turn into a weapon unless they can weaponize it in some way. Then they're not going to pay for you. Otherwise, if you're not giving them money somehow, they don't want to know it. That's the truth of how that works. Right. So you have to realize that. So literally that's the progression of what you're supposed to attain here, getting all the way back to what Ross talking about right there at the end of that. The progression is what this place is, what it was designed for. You are a part of this entire scenario that was created by the creator for you, it, us, them, they, and you're supposed to learn what you are supposed to learn, but it's only supposed to happen in the time that you're supposed to learn it in. And then uh, you do that and then you move up. So all of this becomes moot point when you do. But there's also part of the progression that you'll go through at that point that you'll say, well, then why should I do anything? Because it doesn't make any difference because everything's happening exactly the way it's supposed to be. And you're absolutely right. But that's not how things work. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get past that. That's part of the progression of learning. And then you're supposed to get past that and realize that you have an obligation, even though you, you know, you, you'll have a limited outcome because the more you know, the more you realize that you don't really know anything, but the more you know, the, the, the more that's 5,000 years old too, or 3,000 years old from, from Socrates. But the more you know, the more you realize that, you, that you're obligated to try to assist, but you can only affect as much change as people are ready for. Right? So people say to me, then why do you do this? Because you're only going to affect people who are ready to hear it. Because it changes how quickly those people wake up. That's what you realize. I do this because it took me a certain amount of time to get to this point. And I know the progression of how long it takes, not just me. And I don't assume that just because I took that long, you're going to take that long. Because each person is individual. Right? But I know what the average is of how long it takes. So if I can help you wake up faster... I'm going to, because then you can help other people wake up faster. Why? Because it's the right thing to do, because that speeds up the process and changes the all and helps things snowball. That's the snowball effect. If the quicker you get to the seminal point, the faster everything changes for everybody else. So if I can in some way spend a lifetime saying these things so that one, two, ten, a hundred, the more uh, I'm the, the more unlucky amount of people can then learn from me and get there faster. They can do the same for someone else and someone else and someone else and someone else and someone else. And, someone else. and that exponentially changes the whole. That's why you do it. That's why you do it. So we propagate and perpetuate what we're doing. Okay. Because I'm not making any money off of this. <laughs> right. I'm not getting rich off of what I know. I could, but if I did that, I'd have to go back to working for governments and then, and then, uh, you know, get paid by them to know secret shit that you guys don't get to know about that. I don't get to ever tell anybody that they get to turn into a weapon and murder half the planet with. And that was, that's the purpose of what Oppenheimer had happened to him. He realized when they detonated the first, and it wasn't thermonuclear, then it was a hydrogen, I believe. It's the first, uh, um, it was the first thermonuclear detonation, but it was a hydrogen not uh, not uh, uh, splitting of the atom, so it wasn't a, so it wasn't a thermonuclear. Uh, either way, it was still it was still the, the destruction that was the same destruction, but done a different way. 
which is hard for people to understand. Is there, in fact, during when they did that, when they dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, there were two different bombs. One was a hydrogen bomb and one was the thermonuclear detonation. They were actually diff two different bombs. Fat Man and Little Boy. Um, those were two different. Um, uh, they wanted to see what the chemical reaction would be. They, Truthfully, they detonated that onto the population to see what would happen. That was that's pretty fucked up. I mean, they needed to use it. If they didn't probably need to, but the way things were going, if the American government didn't, there would be no America today. That was the plan. The Mexicans got scared and didn't invade. The plan was the Japanese would attack by sea, the Mexicans would attack by land, and then the Germans would mop up after they all killed each other. That was the plan from the Germans from the beginning. Convince the Japanese to get into the war, convince the Mexicans to invade by land, therefore killing off the populations of slaves that they didn't want to have to fight uh, when they were taking over the world anyways, the Japanese and the Mexicans. And then they would weaken uh, the Japanese, the Americans, and the Mexicans so they could invade North America, take all of North America, move into Central and then South America, and then be able to fight the Japanese. And then they were already, the Americans were already fighting against the Chinese, weakening them. And, uh, and so they were going to then attack the Chinese. So they had Europe. So they had all the, they, and then they had uh, the Middle East. So they had all the oil to, to, to get their war going for the rest of the world. And they were just going to continue until they took over the entire planet. That was the plan. Right. That was the plan. But the, the Mexicans didn't, they were like, no, no, you're just going to wake them up and piss them off. When the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and the Americans turned on them, the, the famous uh, general in the Japanese army said, I fear that we've just woken a sleeping giant. We have done nothing more than wake a sleeping giant. And so the truth is, if the Americans, that cousins from the Habsburgs and the Holerans, Olerans, um, if they didn't use the nuclear weapon, the Nazis would have taken over physically. They won the war anyways. Uh, you guys just don't know it. <laughs> took over from within. They lost the physical war and then took over from within. And, and you're living in the Fourth Reich today. Welcome. I know that sounds crazy. You know, oh, here he goes talking politics. But he who has, let him who have the understanding. He who has the ears to hear, the eyes to see, the mind to know, you know what I'm talking about. So, all of these things that are happening are happening on purpose for a reason and that they're supposed to, right? You're supposed to know that and become aware of that and rise above the fear. The fear is your ego and the fear is keeping you there. And then literally raw is trying to teach us that not just say, look out, there's some bad guys that came there. Cause if that's all raw knew, that's pathetic. And it's not what raw knew. It's only what raw could tell you. So raw was delivering in 1981 to 1984, a message that is multi-leveled that the people in 1981 would only interpret it a certain way because they were only ready to. That's why I've done this already. I did all 106 sessions. And uh, depending on what reality you're in, uh, if you come from the reality that I came from, I started in 2017 and I ended in 2019. Um, but in, in this reality, it says I went all the way into 2020, almost to 2021, which is weird uh, because I didn't. Uh, but then started it again. Why? Because I was giving you a different message as, as much as I could give you in 2019, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, depending on, on what reality that you're in. And um, I can now tell you more. So I'm telling you more. Okay. 
uh, once my book comes out, I'll probably stop doing the law of one and then just start continuing to tell you. I throw it in here anyways. That's why I don't just focus on the law of one and only tell you that because it's in there. Literally what I just showed you with that last question of the, of the, the session and the answer in that session, 99% of the people who read that aren't going to even realize what that, what the ramifications of what raw was saying in that one particular thing. And he says it quickly with authority. Literally, this is what's going on. Right. And so we'll pick up next week and we'll go and see how um, Dawn receives that information and what questions Dawn comes up with in 1981. Right. And then in your mind, if you're awake enough, think about the questions you would ask if you knew just you and then tune back in next Friday and see how close your your question is to uh, Dawn's uh, or whether you agree with the questions that Dawn asks or whether you'd go, why is Don asking that question when he should have asked this question? Well, because you're 40 years past where Don was in, in the, the total development of the whole uh, of this earth. So you're going to have a different perspective than Don did, even though he was a nuclear physicist. Because it was 40 years ago. Okay. All right, guys, I'm gonna let you go because it's almost 6 p.m. I got to do something for dinner. I got to make sure my mother's still awake. I think she is. I think I just saw her blink. <laughs> she didn't fall asleep while watching television. Uh, but then I got to do dinner and, and relax now. But I'll be back on the air tomorrow. One more commercial. Uh, Jacqueline Taylor has a show that I'm going to be on and other people are going to be on. There's going to be like five or six of us. So you won't hear me talking the entire time. I'll just be popping in here and there. I mean, I'll be there, but I'll be just talking every now and then. It's literally going to be uh, on her show at 12 noon West Coast America time. That's GMT minus... Uh, uh, seven UK team, uh, time minus eight. Uh, 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 so it's for those of you, if you're already in Saturday, it'll be Saturday night for you. Uh, if you're still on Friday, like I am out here on the West coast, it'll be Saturday at noon, 12 PM, a 3 PM West coast America or East coast America time. And we'll be on Jacqueline Taylor's uh, show on, uh, on, we'll be on zoom and we'll be on YouTube, uh, on her oneness project light and on Facebook on Izzy Kelly's page on Facebook, but there'll be a link on my page and we'll be sharing it out in the chats uh, so that you guys know where to tune in. Those of you listening on the MP3 broadcast, I hope to get that for you. I didn't get last week's, I don't think yet, from uh, Jacqueline to post for those of you around the world on MP3 on my podcast uh, to hear it, but it'll be up uh, listed as Jacqueline's show uh, so you know what it is. And then the description will tell you what it is. Uh, But tune in because we're going to be talking about um, spirituality We're going to be talking about um, uh, people that are uh, psychics and mediums and card readers and the different levels uh, of that and how we do that. Uh, And we usually, you know, really get into it. And there'll be some law of one that'll be mixed in because you can't talk about spirituality because the law of one is about spirituality and about recognizing and realizing that there is universal laws, which is what raw ended this session on talking about the, the energy frequency and vibration of the entire uh, multiverse on every level and what its function was and why and where it came from. And that's literally, you can't talk about anything without talking about that. You can't talk about that without talking about everything else. All right, guys, I love you guys. Have a great night. I'll either see you tomorrow uh, or I'll see you next week. Um, or you won't be seeing me either way because you listen on the MP3 broadcast and then you'll just be hearing me. 
right? And I know who you guys are around the world, and I do watch. So I know what countries. I know that there's more than 70 countries out there that you guys listen to my podcast. I'm aware of that. I used to call you guys out what countries I saw when you guys would ping me a bunch of times. Uh, I'm going to start trying to do that more so you guys know that I'm aware that what country you're in and how often you're clicking on my show. Um, but just know that I appreciate you guys out there in the world that are listening. Keep listening. Keep expanding your consciousness. Keep waking up and keep doing what you're doing because everything that you do that's in the positive changes the entire vibration of the entire all for the entire planet for the positive. It doesn't matter if you can or can't do anything physically to help. If you're being a better person and you're just expanding your consciousness, that translates to all the people that you affect in every way, whether they're conscious of it or not. And it uplifts their vibration, which adds to the collective consciousness of the entire planet and uplifts the entire consciousness of the entire planet's vibration just by you bettering yourself. Okay, so to fix the world, to fix the people, all you have to do is fix you. That's why Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see in the world. Because if you change yourself, you change everyone around you, and that changes the entire planet. Okay, and then everybody does the same. So stop worrying about what everyone else is doing and take care of yourself because that will take care of them. And then they'll stop taking, trying to control everybody and they'll look into themselves and fix themselves. And then when everybody fixes themselves, that fixes the all. Do you see? So we do that together exponentially. So in doing so, you give back to everybody and then they take it within themselves and give back to everybody. And that's how you make changes. Trying to force everybody to your will is what evil people do. And that does nothing except for degrade the vibratory pattern of the, of the earth you included and everyone else. All right, guys, I love you guys. This has been Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show.